Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Andrew Sunzi, Red Pants, Holly, Natasha, Laura, Goradica, Vance, Boezy, Jeremy, Ali, Nathan, Mr. Ragebomb, Libby, Wes, Dreskel, Aaron, Kristen, Tia, Lauren, Jonathan, Kate, Alex, Isaac, and Karoon. And all the patrons want you to know you're loved, you're listened to, and you're a valuable member of this horror virgin vampire community. And if you want to hang out with us, do so in the Vampire Book, where we vampire daily. I do love that when his slaves go to burn down his house. Good. Sorry. I know, right? I've never seen someone yes and so hard in my life. He like walks out and is like, oh, you're going to burn down my house? Yeah, let's fucking burn down my house. And he like <laughs> helps them burn down his house, frees all of them. I was like, damn. In the book, he kills them all afterwards. What? Yeah, he kills them all afterwards. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I just like in the vampire universe, theater people are also still weird. (laughs) (laughs) And kind of just like not cool. So hurtful, but accurate to my experience as a theater person. Uh, We have a theater group and we live underneath the theater. I'd be like, I am going back to the new world. Thank you for this opportunity. I'll figure this all out on my own. Thank you for tuning into Horror Virgin. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like watching scary movies, but this week we didn't because our guest picked one that wasn't, and our guest is (laughs) John John Reisinger. Now, hold on. You don't think this is a scary movie? Okay, John, this is actually one that I've seen before. Okay. I had a good friend in high school that, like, convinced me to watch it, so we we watched it in his basement, and I didn't realize at the time that it might have been like a, hey, are you this way too? Yeah, Uh, But watching it through tonight, I was like, oh, okay, maybe that's what that was. Anyway, we're still friends. I could ask him. That's funny. (laughs) I mean, I'll have you know that Interview the Vampire has a history of freaking people out. Really? So, yeah, they had a test screening that they did with the movie where uh, the majority of the audience said it was too gory and violent yep and bloody really the 90s was a different time yeah <laughs> reportedly uh oprah winfrey who's a big friend of tom cruise left halfway through the film because it's too much for her kristen dunst wasn't allowed to see it no and on a on a personal level 
I used to be like you where I didn't like horror movies, but it's because I was a little kid who was raised <laughs> in a very sheltered home. That's and so, so was I. yeah. Yeah. My introduction to this movie was actually watching the Oscars because they had two uh, Academy nominations for this. And one was, I believe, uh, I think it was Tom got nominated. Mm-hmm. For best Nicolas Cage impression? <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, you know how they, when they, they do the Oscars, they, uh, they play a clip? Oh yeah, absolutely. They played the clip of Lestat biting Louis, that whole scene of them floating up over the ship and everything like that. Oh yeah. And the, the imagery of Tom's like fangs biting in and the blood gushing out of Louis, I had nightmares for weeks. Oh, Oh, I would oh, have wow. if I'd seen this as a child for sure. Yeah, been scared. Yeah, uh, but, I, but did you see it after that? Like, when was the first time you saw this movie? It couldn't have been tonight. No, no, no. It wasn't until like like decades later that I was like going through. I finally had come into my uh, love of horror films. Now, as a gray-haired, uh, scruffy-faced <laughs> queer, I'm like, yeah, of course I love horror movies. <laughs> On brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You kind of like, as I came out of the closet, I also came out of the closet of like loving horror films. (laughs) And I went back and I was, I think one of my original loves of of vampire movies, I love vampire movies, is one of the worst ones, which is Underworld. (laughs) Oh, Underworld is wild. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. We'll have to have you back for Underworld. Yeah, we'll have to do Underworld. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. I love the, I love at least the first two of the movies. And I went back and I was rewatching all this stuff. So yeah, I, I watched Leaders as an adult, and then I had rewatched it the most recently when uh, I've, I've been dating a, a lovely lady for uh, a few years now, and she's from New Orleans, and this is her favorite, one of her favorite movies of all time. The one, the kind where like first time I watched it with her, she kept reciting every single line of the movie. <laughs> to a point where I had to tell her, like, hey, could you stop? <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch the movie. <laughs> we can recite it later to each other, but let's just watch the movie now. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, Mikey and Paige, when was the first time you saw it? I saw this. I, I was probably in high school, I think, yeah. the first time I saw this movie um, and hadn't watched it in a long time. So in high school, I completely missed the heavy homoerotic oh, subtext same. of this film fully missed and, it yeah and hadn't watched it in a long time but did read the book uh also in high school had not reread it since but when we did queen of the damned which because we kind of did this backwards because we did queen of the damned first because <laughs> yeah. those were the two that i read of the vampire chronicles and then got into other horror books etc um, but yeah, I remember watching it, reading the book, completely missing the subtext, and then watching it again last night, I was like, oh, oh, it's blatant. It's <laughs> saturated. Even yeah. though they tried early in production, they were they were playing around with the idea of in order to usurp having to be, you know, gay, they were thinking of gender bending the characters and casting women as the characters because people can... People are often a little bit more uh, accepting of ladies liking ladies on screen. So like it was like we were actually a half a step away from getting Cher in this movie. Oh, (gasps) I would have watched that. But like fully (laughs) do want a Cher version. Yeah, like I love this version, but I do. I would love a a Cher version as well. And I have lists of who all was potentially going to be in this movie because they're like you could fill a book with the people who could have maybe been in this movie. (laughs) 
Not the actual book, because that book is fucking long. That's true. That book is very long. I thought Brad Pitt was gorgeous oh, that's at the time when I saw this the first time. Yes. Oh, my God. You can't take your eyes off of him. But even back then, as a teenager, I was like, this whole Kristen Dunst thing is a little off. Oh, yeah. And it's worse in the book. It is worse in I'm the book. I'm sure it's worse in the book. Yeah. Yes. But it's definitely in the movie, too. No, no, the book is worse because he like the calls Louis like her lover the whole time. Yes, well, because she's like a thirty-year-old woman in a child's exactly. body, which presents yeah. problems everywhere you turn. No, like seventy-year-old woman. <laughs> I mean, yeah, by <laughs> the end right. she no, is it's about worse. seventy it for is sure. Older. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, which makes this movie. It's going to be fun to talk about that section, but like, it is what it is. It's in there, you know. I don't know what to say. Yeah, <laughs> it's like that one piece of it that they left out. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I I saw the movie. Probably the year it came out or the afterwards, like my parents rented it and I watched it with them or whatever. And then I watched it as more of an adult. I read I read like the first four Vampire Chronicles books. It's so interesting because there's so much sexual tension between every character. Every character yes. loves everyone very deeply. Like Lestat changes his mother into a vampire and they get very close for a long time in his book. Okay. I hate that. Yeah. Please <laughs> yeah. continue. Yeah. But like the book's like, but their sexual organs don't work. So they like basically like put their foreheads together and like they're like, we're really connected. And they walk around a lot talking. And so it's like a very long book of talking. And you're like, I wish they would just hook up and then just like go all the way with it, you know? Well, you're talking about Lestat and his mother, but I understand no, so like all no, vampires. Okay, 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 okay. Everybody. Okay. I just wanted you to clarify that you weren't specifically talking about that relationship. There's like passages in the book where they're like looking at their penis in the mirror and they're like, this organ does not work anymore. And I'm like, this is okay. All right. Why not? Why, why would you? Why would you do this as an author i don't understand i don't know and i stand by maybe her publisher was kind of silencing her a bit at the time because she was writing like right before she wrote vampire chronicles she wrote the sleeping beauty series which is like explicit i will say the inability to have physical sex does make them more angsty i think for the movies and books yeah oh, I, so I, I don't personally think a lot of vampire movies are scary but i do like this it's like it's a good film it's like a really high quality horror film I just don't find it scary. Oh, I mean, this is a very big budget horror movie, especially for the time. Yeah. I do think it was smart to make Claudia like 15 or whatever instead of like five years no, old. She's, yeah. she I think she's 12. like nine. Oh, is she 12? Yeah. Sorry. Okay. Well, she was 10 when she filmed it. By the time it was like done, she was turning 12 and her parents still wouldn't let her see the movie. They thought it was too scary. I'm sure she's seen it now. I'm, of course. I'm sure she's seen it now. She is amazing in this movie, though. Like She got nominated. I think everyone's pretty great in it. But yeah, she is. Um, I honestly don't yeah. think I've seen her act this in like this on ever since this. But honestly, like she as she like it. grew up, she got into that like romantic lane where you're not really asked to do this kind of acting a lot. Yeah. Because I bet she could still do this. She could do it when she was a kid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's amazing in this. Yeah. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to find another child actor that does doesn't have the last name Fanning or Breslin that could turn in a performance like this. Yeah. I did really love that when Lestat and Brad Pitt started having trouble in their relationship, they were like, we should bring a child into this. <laughs> we should have a baby. That's Lestat's <laughs> idea. Well, you know? I mean, yeah, like, that, like that has a lot of Lestat energy in my mind. The book is a lot of like Louis gets turned. And in every scene in the book, you might as well just add like four years. Everything takes four years <laughs> in the book. Yeah. So like he like goes on a lot of walks in New Orleans, describes New Orleans, and he's like, what is evil? And then there's like a lot of that, like a lot of like a lot of monologuing internally. 
I, I remembered being surprised between this and Queen of the Damned in the books that this was all monologues for like the entire book. Yeah. And then Queen of the Damned is like, also, there's a secret society. Also, he's a rock star. Or I guess the next <laughs> okay. one's a rock star. So let's talk about that because Lestat is straight up a villain in this book. And then because he becomes so popular, she retcons the shit out of him in the next two books. Yeah. Yes. I really wish they had like planted an Easter egg in like the final scene with Lestat and uh, Brad Pitt where he's like in the chair or whatever. Like at the end of that scene, him being like, also, have you heard of Guns N' Roses? They kind of slap. I'm thinking about going that direction. Like, <laughs> Except that he went the new metal direction. I know he I did. Think Tom Cruise did a good Lestat. Oh, he did. Tom Cruise is great in this. The next book basically is his story. And he's like, basically like they explain away like yada yada, like. He was in like a rough patch when he did the whole Louis 200 years thing. <laughs> he was going through a hard time for those 200 years. That's basically what it said. And then it like, and then the next book, the like, you know how this book, he never tells Louis anything about like where they come from or anything like that. Yeah. That his master never told him anything or whatever. They retcon the shit out of that where Lasat's just lying to him the whole time and knows all the answers. Love it. I Well, and that's my thing is like, as an adult, I'm like, this is a manipulative, toxic relationship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Louis should have gotten out because <laughs> mm -hmm. like he definitely would have done anything to keep him there. That's the whole reason Claudia is there. Exactly. But, you know, the books don't necessarily articulate that great. Yeah. I think the Vampire Lestat book was my favorite one. The Queen of the Damned book is like the Avengers of Vampire. Yes, it is. <laughs> Did they bring Dracula back? No, but it's like they Might set well. up all these characters <laughs> like Armand and then Lestat's mom and Louis. They all like they're like the most powerful vampires in the world. They all come together to fight Aaliyah. Uh, Aaliyah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. I've never seen Queen of the Damned. Oh, oh. missing out. John. And by missing out, I mean it's terrible in a way that is so unique. Oh, wait, actually wrong. I've watched the last 20 minutes. That's the best 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. It's it's pretty buck wild to jump into that movie in the last 20 minutes. I didn't even know when I watched it, it was part of Anne Rice's like Vampire Chronicles. Yes. And so I'd, unless someone tells you that, I don't think you can really pick that up in the last 20 minutes of the movie. No, nope. absolutely can't. It feels so, <laughs> I mean, all of Queen of the Dam feels so different from like Interview does, right? Like yeah. Interview has this oh, cool yeah. like gothic tone to it. And Queen of the Damned is just insanity. Like, yeah. I don't, I haven't read either of the books, but I don't know if the books sort of are the same. But yeah, Queen of the Damned is a perfect, insane movie. My sister watched Queen of the Damned first because we did it first. And she just yeah. watched it when we did it. Because oh. we also grew up in a religious home where horror movies were not the norm. Although they did let me watch Aliens when I was like eight. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's because your parents make good decisions, Paige. They talk did about make great this. decisions yeah. sometimes. Yeah. You turned out normal. <laughs> I turned out normal with a shoulder fetish. Uh, she texted me. She was like, how could the first one be good if this is the second one? And I was like, you don't understand it won Oscars. <laughs> yeah. Like it's, it's, this is a really good movie. Like Interview is a legit, in my opinion, great movie. I really enjoy it. Yeah, I like Lestat as a villain in this film because it's like, you know, he loves killing people. Like, that's his, like, number one favorite hobby. He loves it. He revels in it. And then Louis immediately turns and he's like, I don't really like this part of this whole thing of yeah. like killing the people. And, it, yeah. and, and, like, that's their whole crux of their relationship right there. But, dude, that's the main part. Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't really think Lestat was a villain. He was just, like, going through a 200-year rough patch or whatever, you <laughs> that's know? True. That's true. That's true. It was influences like, his he music. Love. <laughs> eat, eat people, pray in love. Eat yeah. people, pray to the devil.
love. Well, I think uh, a lot of, I think one of the, the great uh, themes of the movie and the books in general is, uh, but is in, is, it's portrayed in this movie is the loneliness that comes with yes um, eternity. Not only the eternity, but the theme of the outsider, the one who has to hide, the one who has to, who is confined to only a certain space of society, you know, with vampires, it's like the, the, the time of day and where they can sleep and all that kind of stuff. And, when you pair that with uh, you have to be this way forever, then yeah, it, it it's probably going to give you warped ideas of what companionship can be, should be paired with like the fact that yeah. you literally uh, feed off of all the other intelligent creatures that are around. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, it's going to mess you up. And, and if, again, you live for hundreds of years, I'm not saying we should forgive Lestat of what he did, but like if someone never dies, you have yes. like you have to give them a chance to have some redemption arc because like <laughs> they got time. Yeah, you've got time. <laughs> and there's only so many of you guys around, you know, yeah. like that was a whole part of like the third act of the movie was like them going and like being like, there's no vampires in Europe. There's none. There's, we can't find them. You know, they spend so much time looking for others. And and so, yeah, they really only find like 12. How many are there in um, France? Yeah, I mean that that Parisian French theater group that was the, the Théâtre des Vampires. Yeah, yeah. The, in the books they find other vampires in Europe, but they're like feral. Yeah, interesting. And so they're not like cool people. They're like they, they just come out of their coffins, feed, and go back into their coffins. They don't really talk or communicate or anything. And so yeah. like, all right, peace. It's hard to find a modern like cool live in a house vampire. Yeah, tell me about it. But then. They retcon all that the next couple books too, where there was like hundreds of thousands. There's like thousands of vampires sure. around. Right out. They just don't like reveal themselves to you or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I do like the vampire as other. I feel like people play with oh, that yeah. in almost every vampire story, even Blade. Yeah. Where he's the day walker. The day man. Yes. The day man. Uh, <laughs> one of my favorite versions is the way True Blood handles it, where they literally paired it with a civil rights battle, basically. And it was out at the time that like marriage equality was the question yeah, yeah. and so like it really like especially if you look at what was happening in the time at the time it is pretty powerful to be like this is how you're treating people and i think this movie kind of it doesn't go into the political aspects of it but i do think that's where a lot of that homoerotic subtext comes in of like oh, me too you are othered yeah. you yeah. know and i think that's important to talk about with this book especially when it was written and the movie when it came out because this is a, an important oscar-winning movie that a lot of people completely miss that yeah. subtext of self-included when the first time sam i was gonna say that when i was in high school i was like man that was a pretty creepy movie <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i just i just missed it completely so pretty yeah. so pretty no, I, th I mean i think it's a powerful <laughs> metaphor that people a lot of people have been othered throughout their lives and they can grab onto it and then yeah. uh you know, everybody wants to kill the normal people. So I get it. <laughs> you were like normal people. Quote unquote. Almost everybody's been others. I'll say it again. I'm not excusing Lestat. However, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The guy introduces like early on in it that like the, 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 I think in my opinion, the ideal option as a vampire, which is okay. You're faced with the, the fact that you do have to feed off of other people. You don't have to kill them. You can, you, know, you could, but yeah. like it becomes difficult to stay secret if you're just, you know, draining people and then letting them go. But he, he offers to Louis, he's like hunting the evil, hunt, you hunting, hunting the bad people. Like these are, none yeah. of these people are, you know, are necessarily in 
innocent if you can find you know he, he like he does that in that scene where he's uh they're in the uh the Oodles. party and talking about the lady who had uh her little i think he calls him like a fop yes murdered her husband and then uh tries to get louis to eat her but then louis eats his her dogs which is pretty pretty funny well, and then he like oh. rips her head like all the way to like the side oh, like full he snap. overly breaks it yeah well <laughs> lestat lestat comes yeah and has yeah, to save L- him lestat, from it. like you know stallone's her neck for sure yeah <laughs> he's a little paranoid you can tell that like the villagers have come with pitchforks and torches oh, yeah. to his house before he he's aware of like the importance of their secrecy and and like you know because he even like He's the one who keeps chastising Claudia on we don't eat in the house. Yeah. You know, don't don't do it here. You know, so like he's he's yeah, he's very much the dad who's just like trying to keep everyone to, you know, not to screw this up. He's got his whiny boyfriend who's going to <laughs> screw everything up. Mopey the whole time. I mean, it does pretty feel like they are in a relationship early on, yes. like Lestat and uh, Brad Pitt, and then they break up because that relationship is toxic, and of course a child wouldn't solve it. So Brad Pitt and the child fuck off to Europe, and then he falls in love with Antonio Banderas, and then How that goes badly, and then they leave. Like, Well, don't forget, they attempted to murder Lestat twice. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, but like sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do to get away, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. uh, you know, it is an abusive relationship on some it level. It is vampire sleeping with the enemy. You're right. <laughs> yeah. Rewatching it this time. Somehow this time I I was blown away even more by you uh, what you were saying, Michael, that Antonio Banderas is just gorgeous in this yes. movie. Yes. Yeah. The hair is a little wild. I would have loved a little more natural hair from him. Sure. And that yeah, kind of thing. Sure. You know, he's it's very straight and, and clearly a wig and that kind of thing. But like when he comes out uh, and on the stage in the theater, and that's not even the first time we see him, but it's like he has that entrance. The man makes an entrance. Yes. Good yes. lord. He's got that red, like red floor oh, length so like thing oh, on the yeah. fire behind him. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Awesome. yeah, he's definitely a theater kid. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mikey, if I could walk into every room that way, I absolutely would. Though you do walk into rooms, <laughs> you're like, we it's was July. trying to tell you this about your a red, red leather, leather jacket. jacket. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> I do have actually I have two red leather jackets. I'm like, it's August. We don't need this. <laughs> I'm wearing yeah. a, a leather jacket right now. I can tell. Yeah. In your home. Yeah, in your home, sitting down to record a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm wearing yeah. sweatpants, which is a normal in-home item of clothing yeah i've got my workout shorts and a t-shirt yeah. and socks <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. on yeah all right all right all right maybe we should just get into this movie so we can go through it scene on scene before you guys turn john on me yeah all right oh, all right all right i forgot about one thing from the books that oh, okay so vampires can like read each other's like thoughts and soul yeah but not if you turn that person yeah so if you really like them and turn them into a vampire you can never read each other's mind oh so you get someone else it's to turn them. other people yeah Okay. They explored a lot of that stuff. I don't know if any of you watched the AMC series. Not yet. I want to now. I was like, I was like, I need to check it out. I didn't even know it existed until last night when I, I Google searched the movie poster for this. I heard they let them have actual sex. Well, yeah. one, it's very good. You really need to watch it. Awesome. I was, I was, I was worried. My girlfriend was worried. Also, she's she's from New Orleans. She loves this book. She wants these things to be good portrayals, and it was so good. We loved it, and it is so much gayer and just nice. like yes. f- like yeah there's like in the first like episode or two there's like full frontal like uh sex with you know with the uh the the two vampires you know floating in in the air cuz that's how you would do it if yeah. you i mean you're going to go to space and not fuck in zero gravity like you're 100% going to do that right so if you're a vampire you're going to do it too oh that'd be hard 
tough to get traction. <laughs> you grab the hips, pay. What are we talking about? Like, should we really walk through it? It would be easier as a vampire because you can, like, have inertia. You can moment with your power. That's true. That's true. It's like uh, in Invincible, when yeah. he was talking about how you yeah. fly, it's like flexing yeah, a muscle, yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in space, you're just flopping around. Yeah, space would be different. Anyways, the TV show, yeah. while making big changes to the to Lestat because they cast a person of color and, and they they changed it from him owning a plantation to him being the the head of a brothel essentially mm-hmm. and that kind of thing they follow a lot more of the literature in certain ways and even like the opening of the the tv series instead of the motivation of louis being so despondent being that his wife and child died in mm-hmm. childbirth it's from the book it's that his his brother is hyper religious and uh, suddenly kills himself uh you know yeah. out of sadness and that kind of thing and and proceeds on that and i say that uh, mikey because they also explored in depth the whole like other gifts of like si- the te- telepathy oh, and that cool. kind of thing add all that stuff and rice has cool lore that she puts in a lot of the books like as they get older they feed less and they do more other stuff yeah they touch on that in the movie a little bit but they yeah. never really go like deep dive and i wish they mm-hmm. did because i love like lore like that because mm-hmm. i'm a comic book nerd yeah and so that's when you're like when you get into the details of like how their powers work i'm like yeah yeah tell me how's it how's it work because when they that's what brought me back to the books of like oh this vampire has special powers and controls all the and you're like oh they're like a villain and it's <laughs> The dorky stuff brought me back. Is that yeah. what Steph, where Stephanie Meyer got her for Twilight? Yes, is, that she is steal absolutely that? where she okay. stole it. I am of the belief that Stephanie Meyer stole most of her stuff from uh, Charlene Harris, who who wrote the books that True Blood is based on. Oh, interesting. Because True Blood also has that to a degree. Oh, yeah. Like Skarsgård can fly. I need to watch True Blood. It's it's so wild. Watch the first three seasons. Yeah, the first three seasons. You don't really need to watch beyond that. But How it, many seasons were wild. there? Like seven. seven. There were seven. I watched seven seasons of True Blood. Jesus. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I like how you have seen all of them and you I had no idea. I don't remember how much it was, but I know I finished it. <laughs> the quality breaks down by like half each season too. So it's like by season seven, it's like limping along. It's, it's like Game of Thrones is what you're saying? No, yes. it's, it's different because some seasons are surprisingly good, especially on a rewatch. But like one is good. Yeah. Two is a mess, but two was also the writer strike season oh. that like most people don't remember. So it's good that Secession ends this season because next season would have sucked, is what you're saying. That's a yeah, good oh yeah, That's yeah, a good yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Support your local WGA member, by the way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Anyway, all this to say, the AMC one looked really, really interesting. A because it sounded like they were going to actually let them have sex, and B they cast people of color in roles that probably should have been filled by people of color the whole time yeah it's very very good and it because it's because it's a tv show instead of the movie you know you guys talk about how like in the book there's just so much more is they get to explore that way more and they get to and they get into the complication of their relationship even more and the toxicity of it but the codependency of it yeah and they also they made Claudia a little less awkward by making her a little older. Yeah. All right. I, I am ready to talk about floating boat stuff. So uh, uh, let's, boat let's, stuff let's get into it. Boat stuff. It's boat stuff because Anne Rice Sorry. made it where their penises don't work. Yeah. It's like two Ken dolls mashed together. That's why they're so angry. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> Armand is 400 years old and hasn't uh, had a, a sexual uh. experience in that time. And listen, I'm not saying anyone was right to be so violent, but. I, I mean, I think at a certain point you would get beyond the human confines of what sex is and would be like, oh, 
So it's just physical for you people? <laughs> oh, like, you don't just rest your foreheads together? Uh, I, don't, I don't know about that, Demolition Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh. But let's get this movie so we can talk about it scene by scene. All right. So we open on the... I believe that they're trying to make it look like the Golden Gate. It looks like the Bay Bridge instead. And at the end, it's the Bay Bridge. Uh, but it is San Francisco. Can you guess where Paige grew up, John? I grew up in San Francisco. <laughs> Everyone always uses the Golden Gate. And it's the old Bay Bridge because we actually just rebuilt it. So You did. I meant to congratulate you on that project, by the way. You did Thank a you. great job with Thank that design you. and management of that process. Yeah. No, it was... It was a clusterfuck. Anyway, so <laughs> as we zoom in over the port, uh, we enter through the window, uh, an apartment above the street. And this is where we encounter Louie for the first time, a.k.a. Brad Pitt with gorgeous long hair. I don't know what conditioner he's using, but it looks great. I believe. It, wait, is this not a wig page? I thought this was a wig. That's definitely a wig. Uh, oh. Actually, I don't know. He did have long hair at the time, but it's probably a wig. OK, I was watching an interview with him at the time and he had long hair for some reason. It must have been just for like if they if they need it. But his his long hair is a completely different texture than it, how yeah, it is. It's, yeah, a wig. Yeah, yeah. it's a wig. Yeah. Okay. It's a wig. I normally have terrible wig dar. So like I'm yeah, I was like. Like really looking for it this movie i think he had it long for legends of the fall yeah. which yeah, that's is I think also so too. around this time anyway uh he's talking with christian slater who is some sort of writer we don't know where he's writing from although in the book i believe it's one of the newspapers yeah i got like journalist as opposed yeah. to yeah. like a novelist or you know yeah. that kind of thing yeah He's a collector of stories. Yes. Collector of stories. He presents it as if it's people of New York, uh, where he's just like, I find people on the street and I interview them. And sadly, entered a second location with one. Like, that's a bad idea. Yeah, Don't you never that. go with a vampire to a second location. Yeah. Well, never go with someone you met on the street <laughs> to yeah, a yeah, second yeah. location without a little bit more exposition. Right. So Yeah, like three drinks. <laughs> free drinks. <laughs> he puts the cassette tape in because this movie is from the 90s. And he's like, all right. So what do you do? And he's like, so I'm a vampire and uh, I'm just going to drop this on you immediately and then not check to see if you're OK with that information to give you time to run away. So he just starts into it where he's like, all right, I was born in the or no, he doesn't even start where he was born. He was like, I was a man. I was 24 in yeah. 1791. The year that it happened, uh, it was I was 24. I was younger than you were now. But at the time, hey, that was a full grown That's person. Old. You like died at 30. Yeah. He was like a middle aged man at 24 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this is where we find out that his wife and daughter had passed away about six months before. Uh, and he is not taking it well. No. And is essentially resorting to self-destructive patterns. Yeah, I mean, we see him in like his grief. We see him playing cards and possibly cheating at cards. And the guy like is going to kill him because he has anger issues, I suppose. And he's just like, please shoot me. That would be awesome if you would kill me. I would love that. And that guy is like, OK, weird. Yeah. Thanks for that scene. I, I was like, oh, could you take the whole shirt off, though? Of no? course. Okay. Yeah. He opens up his chest to give him a yeah. shot of the for the bullet. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Because he doesn't want the very thin fabric he is wearing to stop the bullet. That's yeah. why he does or that. Or my eyes. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, the woman who was there with him was like, it'd be a pity to lose a perfect chest in this world. So I'm going to take you out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't worry about it. There's a shortage <laughs> of perfect clavicles. Um, but in all of this commotion, in all of this attempting to get other people to kill him, yeah. he is noticed by Lestat, who is kind of following him from the second 
floor of the brothel where I'm sure Lestat is hunting. Yeah, that's what I assumed as well. But I'm sure everyone noticed him because he's Brad Pitt and he's like, oh, yeah. Welcoming death, taking his shirt off kind of vibe. I would notice him. <laughs> yeah, who wouldn't? I'd be like, who's that dreamboat that could definitely steal my girl? <laughs> yeah, everyone's girl. Yeah. And boys. <laughs> yeah, Honestly, everybody. Yeah. Steal anybody he wants. But just steal because his sex organs don't work. No, at this point, they very much <laughs> do work, Mikey. He's still human. Yeah. Brad Pitt can still have, have sex at that point. Yeah. He's too sad though he's not he purchased (laughs) some entertainment for the night and i'm saying that as like of the time as possible yeah i don't know if he gets there you know what i'm saying i think i think he's got too many emotions going on for things to work right well we we don't get to see it yeah we don't get to see it she she dips out of frame (laughs) (laughs) oh i guess she does as they walk to the dock she does start to go down on him that's right yeah yeah and i think this is a case where she has a partner in crime and they were planning to mug him the whole time yeah well and that's in the vo he even says like he's walking with and he calls her a derogatory name for a sex worker. Yeah. And he's like, and the pimp that's following me because he knows, he knows what's going on. And and maybe he knows what's going on telling us the story because he's recounting the events. But yeah, I think so. even as he's like recounting the events, he says he knew he was there. It aligns yeah. with his self-destructive wishes that like not yes. only would he cheat at a card game that he gets shot at, but he would also, you know, hook up with uh, the lady of the night that is going to clearly, you know, have her pimp uh, shank him and take his money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but those two immediately get Tom Cruise just like <laughs> insta dead. All we hear is the splashes yeah. and Tom Cruise kind of grabs him and floats him into the air for the the first of many, many, many scenes with heavy homoerotic undertones. Yeah, because it's not just like he grabs him and pulls him up into the air. Like their bodies are connect. Like they're well, he, laying yeah, he bites on him each on other. The floor and they start yes. floating up. Yeah. Yeah. Like that scene has to have been so like intimate. Yes. Tom Cruise is just attached to his neck. It would have been very intimate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's the only way that he can get it up is to actually pull someone up into the air <laughs> yeah to float up yeah <laughs> but after biting him he drops him into the water yeah which like you gonna call later like come I know. on rude although he does call later page he does indeed in the vernacular of the time at least brad pitt walks up on the beaches of the mississippi goes home and is super sick because being bit by a vampire in classic vampire lore bram stoker specifically you if you do not turn you get very ill mm. even if you survive the original biting i think even without that lore this man has uh like five or six large puncture wounds on his necks and then was dropped mm-hmm. in the mississippi yeah um he's <laughs> got Some something bacteria at that point. but it was before it was polluted a lot you know so that's good <laughs> i don't know i'm sure there's a lot of bad stuff that was in that water like with the way that society worked it's before motors it was like 1790. It's not the motors I'm worried about. It's the like fish shit. Pond scum of it. Yeah. yeah that kind of stuff. Because I mean, you got to think like in Louisiana, they literally have to bury their people above ground. Yes. Because if they don't put the, if they put them underground, they will come back up. They become zombies? Yes. No, the, the, the water table, but like. No, no, I, I know, I know. That's why Nicolas Cage bought a crazy mausoleum there. I've been there. I know, I've actually seen that. I went on a cemetery tour Nicolas there. Nicolas Cage tour. Oh, okay, cemetery tour. <laughs> if they offered a Nicolas Cage tour, I would go no matter the city, page. <laughs> it's more of a Washington, D.C. thing where you have to go see the back of the Declaration mm. of Independence. I would go to that. That would be amazing. Yeah, of course. So he wakes up sick in his house and Lestat's there and is like, 
hey, notice that you hate life and that you were asking to die, but like, what if life was cool, hey? I did sort of think it was strange that clearly Brad Pitt is suicidal at this point in the movie, right? Right. And the one thing Tom Cruise does is give him eternal life. Yeah, that sounds terrible. It's not a great sales pitch. I think he says like, I can make all pain disappear, but then like, you'll never die. And I'm like, well, that's really the opposite of what he's going for. I I know. kind of work that's like someone coming into a car salesman and then that car salesman selling them a bike that's literally me going to work and being like how about you never ever able to die but i mean brad pitt does choose it but it's weird to me that he chooses it based upon his he doesn't get a pretty good sales pitch no i mean he doesn't get full information you're right that does kind of like yeah yeah exactly but that's but that's also on louis to ask you know ask the questions beforehand yeah like during the interview process you should come with questions yeah yeah like does this have four doors and a radio does it have a warranty (laughs) what is the vampire culture like and do you still let me work from home yeah oh Yes, big I've been questions. interviewing a we lot have a recently. slide deck. <laughs> we based it on Netflix's deck until we realized that was a bad idea. Um, anyway, so he watches his last sun sunrise and sunset, which is actually pretty cool. That he's like, okay, I'm gonna do this, so I'm gonna experience day, yeah, because I will never be able to before, uh, and or after, and then meets Lestat in a graveyard where he's like, hey, you doing this? And before he can even respond, <laughs> Lestat has bit him again. <laughs> yeah. Which that that scene takes place in a great studio set that yeah. Yeah, <laughs> is just this great swampy cemetery. Mossy. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, cool you know, again. Like, they, f- they filmed so much of this movie. I think they were in London for the majority of production uh, and they filmed nights but a lot of their stuff was like indoors. And so, yeah, you know, there's no place in London that's going to look like a swampy New Orleans no. uh, cemetery. So they made, they made a great set. I just have to call it out. That's a great, that's a great set piece. It really is. And it's not very big. It, yeah. Like if you really look at it, it is a small set that is very dense. So it really hides how small it is yeah. with the density of the foliage and stuff that they've added. Yeah. Yeah. And just to point it out, cause we haven't really, Really encountered a ton of it yet most of the effects were done by stan winston's team and mm-hmm. then they had a great set deck team as well all the effects hold up yes they do yeah, there's there's one that does it and it's in this scene where he cuts his wrist oh yeah and you clearly oh, yeah. see the skin they added to his arm to hide the tube yeah why did they use their worst wrist for that shot they use yeah, their bad I don't wrist know. because like they do it multiple other times in the yeah. movie and it does not look bad no and this is the only one really the the majority of the visual effects are hidden which is a good which yes. is a great way of saying that they're really good the director calls it out in in, in uh, interviews that like he knew that them doing these uh visual effects were going to be so seamless was going to basically mean that they would never get nominated for an Academy Award because people wouldn't even notice them because there's there's so many of those like this is during the era where they were like you know utilizing effects like that to do subtle changes like even uh, uh, in the wide shots of uh, New Orleans they were adding things like ships in the background and, and that smoke. kind of thing yeah. and smoke and all that kind of stuff. Well, and in the scene we're talking about, the angel's eyes move. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that shot. Me too. It's and it looks great for the time. The ash when it falls away looked really good too. Yeah, I didn't even yeah. know that was CGI first time I saw it when, yeah. when they do that. It's very subtle. Yeah. There's one uh, that I have some fun facts about it, but in a few scenes when he picks up the rat to basically drain it and then pour it into the glass, that's an animatronic rat. Yeah. And like 
these days you wouldn't even bother because it's only on screen for X amount of seconds. Yeah. You wouldn't build an animatronic rat, but they do just so it could wiggle a bit in his hand. That's awesome. And I'm just like, that's the level that they're playing at in this movie. Like that's how deep they're going Yeah, is that they're even like, they're going to notice if the rat doesn't wiggle. No, no, they won't. <laughs> yeah. They'll notice it's just a doll that we're squeezing juice out of. Yeah. yeah. Right. We assume it's a film, you know? Anyway, so he bites him. He's dying. He's like, do you choose this? He says yes. And then he feeds him his blood. Yeah. And it is very sexual. Uh, biting and feeding in this movie, extremely sexualized. It is. It's it's great, honestly. I was honestly a little mad when Antonio Banderas and him don't kiss at the end. But we can get there. We'll get there. <laughs> sure. With the biting and the feeding for this when he's turning him, because this happens couple times because because Lestat turns two people in it right I feel bad for Lestat because like the first time it happens with Louis he's uh like he almost drinks too much like he's he's going too far and then Claudia almost like drops Lestat yeah yeah by going way too too much into it yep I do love that we get two vampires that turn in this movie and one of them tries his hardest to hold on to humanity. But Claudia, when she gets turned, is like, oh, we're murdering people. Fuck yes. I've wanted yeah. to do Sounds this great. forever. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she's a child. Yeah. 13 year olds are evil. Well, in the book, she's five. <laughs> and in this movie, she's like Ooh. 10. But it's it, they explain it as like children don't understand the danger of excess yeah just in general you know and because they would need a parent to be like hey we don't do this so that we're nice people or whatever and instead she has Lestat who is a cold-blooded killer so it just makes her even more of a cold-blooded killer and yeah. we'll get to it when we get to it yeah 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 so uh when he wakes up or rather dies and then comes back right uh the statue seems to be alive and he says no words can describe it uh i do think this is one of those things that twilight was like we could do better and fails miserably because like <laughs> yeah when people turn in twilight you actually see and their world just kind of like shimmers yeah <laughs> like the, the whole saturation effect. yeah yes because the movie's all gray and then they just warm tone it and you're they're like ooh. a great uh another piece of media that tried to attend this that i thought did a better job was uh is it midnight mass or black mass i think it's midnight mass yeah midnight mass midnight mass black mass is the is the johnny depp yes, uh, gangster the, the, yeah <laughs> which, which isn't vampires to be very clear yeah uh, and, <laughs> although but, he could have almost been in this movie yeah 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 Mid- Midnight Mass, they have that that kind of a moment where he's they, they tried to do a shot of through the eyes of someone who was seeing the world in a different way. Um, and I thought it was better. But yeah, they don't even they don't even try. They just they just we're just looking at Brad Pitt's contacted eyes, you know, with his contacts in. <laughs> yeah. That apparently he hated. He like he almost walked off the set. He did. They do look cool, though. Yeah. So thank you for your sacrifice, Brad. I appreciate it. Yeah. I yeah, do yeah. like that. They yada yada like. I saw the world differently. You would understand, so I'm not even going to try to explain it. Just, we'll just <laughs> yeah, move yeah, on. yeah. It's like the way Looper explains time travel. Oh, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I do like that it looks at, at an owl and it's just like, ooh, but. <laughs> it is. Me. It is. Ooh. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I remember that specifically because uh, I, I was re watching this with my girlfriend this week, and we have a thing that we, whenever we like, we love animals. She's a cat lady, that kind of thing. And we're always talking about, you know, when we see animals that we don't even know, we're just like, that's my friend. And when the. Uh, I'm the same. When the owl shows up, she's like, hey, that's my friend. Because she's just she's like, she loves that shot of the owl. It's a good owl shot. 
They had an owl for the day and they used it. I know. Yeah, the, of course. And the owl got a hero shot in this movie and that's dope. Yeah. This may be upsetting, but my intrusive thoughts, my toxic <laughs> brand of intrusive thoughts is how would we ruin this immediately? Yeah. Uh, and I would could not have laughed harder than if the owl had started to take off and Louis just snatched it yeah. out of the air and ate it. <laughs> they were saving that for the poodles. But yeah, it would have been a moment. Anyway. We cut back to him and Christian Slater, who's just like, okay, so let me ask you some vampire questions and crucifixes. And he's like, love them. It's a vibe. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't great. explain it. He doesn't explain it either. Yeah. These are the questions you should have asked before you were turned. Yeah, right? I love a crucifix moment. Can I still have my crucifixes? Yes. Yeah. Well, and also like yeah. reflections. Yeah, I still have a reflection. There's a few other ones that are like, or um, stake through the heart won't actually kill them. Apparently, which is weird. That's this is the only vampire property where that won't work. Well, and he, we see him cut them in half later. You have to decapitate them or burn them. Yeah, yeah, or drain all their blood. Twilight as well as you have to decapitate them, which is why at that crazy end battle that we have not gotten to yet, they just rip heads for like oh 20 my minutes. God. I can't wait just to see like Lego heads popping off with no blood. That's going to be great. Basically, yes. Yeah. Yes. But yeah, so stakes through the heart don't work. Coffins are a necessity. Uh, and then he basically goes back into his flashbacks of going into the coffin for the first time and then having to find blood. And they first start at like, a group of i'll say travelers celebrating uh-huh. and there is a woman who is selling ale and they murder her mm-hmm. um but this is also one of the first times where we have the orgasmic nature of being bitten where it's almost like for a moment people don't realize that they've been bit and they kind of die in the throes of ecstasy but if you give them a chance to figure out what has happened to them. Yeah. Like that effect doesn't last very long. Yeah. Like a yes. short acting like uh, drug in their teeth, you know. That's what I was yeah, thinking. Yeah, sort yeah. of like um, like a snake will inject venom into you. And, but instead of it like hurting you, like that initially makes you feel like ecstasy. And then it wears off in like a minute. Right. And then you freak the fuck out. Yeah. But this is also where they introduce the idea of like, you can't drink dead blood. Which is not in the books. In the books, they get dirty. Yeah. But they write it in as, I thought it was still good in the movie where it was like, it's uh, it's the kryptonite, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. But anyway, he feels super sorry for killing that woman. Oh, he didn't kill her. Well, he didn't. Lestat did. Yeah. But he yeah. participated. Yeah, he did feed on her, which I think this is the first time we see him feed on a human victim. And then he doesn't for a while. No. Yeah, because well, and he he does feed on her to a degree. He's kissing her and there's blood and everything. Yeah. So he is feeding, but Lestat's the one who kills her. Yeah, no, he's feeding. But Lestat has that line where, you know, where he, Louis breaks up. He's like, I won't kill her. And Lestat's like, I already did it for you. Yeah. Yeah. He's like, mm-hmm. don't worry. I took care of it. Yeah, but this is where Louis starts to eat rats and other things he can find, chickens. He's eating his chickens on his farm, which is freaking out all of the enslaved people that live on his plantation because remember he is a slave owner yeah I, well i mean this is yeah. even before they were americans like that, that this was like yeah. a, still a french colony at that point right. so that was still very much going on yeah and in the book they did they they didn't even try to this uh, with an accent or anything but in the book louis a family that comes from france and, and right. like, yeah. they're yeah. straight from france and so but they didn't they didn't even try they didn't, not only did they not try for a cajun accent there was no french accent whatsoever right i think it was a good choice i know they had no yeah, accent yeah. The oh, bad yeah. accents. 
Yeah, if your accent sucks, please don't, like, don't try and do it. Like, if you're asked to do Cockney for, like, a friend's podcast, <laughs> well, do your best, but, like. <laughs> they saw Tom Cruise's Far and Away and was like, you know what? Don't do an accent. I love him in Far and Away. <laughs> I just, love the movie. We just, it. John, we just did Far and Away on Romance. They've got the so much land. They're just giving it away. <laughs> just giving it away. But that was as good as his accents, John. <laughs> It's so good. It's so fantastic. My running joke in that episode was it just sounds like Irish Simmons. So he's like, <laughs> that's why they've got the it. green cone above their heads because they're Irish. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but this is also where Lestat's like, I mean, if you want to eat rats, you can. Here's an animatronic rat that yeah. it, you, now you have rat wine. I do love how he like drains it and he like shakes the last bit out of <laughs> yeah. it. And then you hear like a bloop when it comes out. Yeah. He's like, he's like, uh, <laughs> A Capri Sun into a glass. Yeah. <laughs> it is. He should have yeah. slapped it like a ketchup bottle. That would have been extra <laughs> fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But we cut to them hunting in society, which has got to be the most dangerous place to hunt as a vampire because there's only so many society people. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Well, and that's why I think because Lestat kills like three people a night and starts with like lower class people yes. and then moves to high society people. Because if you kill three people from high society every night of the year, that's like over a thousand people. Three people a night in general is yeah, a lot yeah. of people. No, it's that's a like, lot. It's almost 1,100 people. Like, that's a shitload of people. Local news would be like, Jack the Ripper is here. <laughs> like that's yes, Jack the Ripper killed eight people. I know. Like a night or... <laughs> no. No, I know. I know, I know, I know, I know. Now, I will say that, like, they kind of address this later where they talk about them uh, when Claudia and Louie are on the boat and they're like, a strange plague kept killing people. Uh, and so, like... I think maybe they're explaining some of that away with like people die all the time of all kinds of things. Yeah, it was 1971 New Orleans. So like there probably yeah. wasn't a lot of great health care. And like if you right. fell on a stick wrong, you might die. 1791. Yeah. What did I say? 1971. Wait. That's what it's like to be super dyslexic, guys. Yeah. <laughs> So yeah, 1791, sorry. It'd, it'd be wild to walk into Studio 56 and have them be like, you know, in the first aid kit, we've got leeches, watch your humors. 54, Studio 54. Yeah, 54. Oh my God. Up. What's wrong with y'all today? Studio 56, was a, it was two doors down from 54. It wasn't as famous, but like B-lifters yeah. of no, the no, time no, no. hung That's, out there. It's the urgent care, two doors down. <laughs> uh, P.O.D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could bleed you, leeches. <laughs> crystals anyway <laughs> so they're hunting in high society and this is where he tries to present the idea of killing somebody who's not a good person yeah and he introduces the telepathy section yes, yes he does. the telepathy as well like tom cruise setting up the premise i think of what would be a really cool vampire slash like dexter tv show would be great where it's like every episode he's got to feed and we got to murder someone who's bad i would love it's that it's basically blade you know what? Now that I hear it out loud, it is exactly Blade. So yeah, that that is the, the better version of it. Yes. Blade only kills vampires, but like, you know, hunting serial killers. I get it. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, stuff like that yeah. would be fun. My, my girlfriend and I, uh, we've talked about this a lot where... <laughs> 
Because you do. Absolutely you do. And uh, we, yeah, we're of the mind, like, like you know, between like Lestat and Louis, we're more of a Lestat because like you could get over the whole killing thing because you could specifically target just the worst people in the world. And there's so many terrible people in the yeah. world. Like I live in Texas, you know, yeah. I live in the capital of Texas. There's I there's a there's a building down here in ways that there's <laughs> a lot of people. Greg Abbott, step one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like, you know, not, not that I'd want to kill anybody, but if that was your way of living and you that's what you do, it's like there's ways to, you know, yeah. be not feel so bad. You know, it's basically like what the Punisher does. He only kills yeah. the, the people who are bad. Yeah, and he doesn't even use what he kills. Like, no. I would say a vampire yeah. is way more ethical than the Punisher is. Yeah. Yeah, product <laughs> killers, not process killers. I just loved watching Mikey process what I was saying and immediately get mad. Extreme form of moral, moralistic. That's fine. We, we'll just you know, we'll just move on. Wouldn't it be fun to watch Greg Abbott try to wheel away from a vampire? I mean, absolutely. But I'm just thinking more. John hasn't been here for other episodes, uh, but Mikey and myself have frequently argued for the fact that if you want to be a true environmentalist, you got to start eating people. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Paige. I don't think. Wait, John, you're on board for that. Hang on. Hang on. We have to eat <laughs> two billion people. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying we should kill all these people. Everyone has a right to life. Everyone, all life is precious. Everything. Absolutely. But if we're just talking on like an, an agnostic like conversation of like you know what is a what is an ongoing issue with our environmental effects on this mm-hmm. planet, and that overpopulation. is overpopulation yeah. and yeah. that yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And often in nature, the way that nature deals with this is that it's it's culling of the herd. It's a predator and prey balance. Mm-hmm. And we don't have that with humans. And I'm not saying we should. We don't have a natural predator. We should have a new one. <laughs> yeah, until the aliens get here, we got to start eating people. So what I hear you saying is that humans are a cancer and vampires are the cure. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like what Thanos did, you know? Yeah. I'm not bit. I'm not saying Thanos was right, but he had like he was going in the correct direction. Yeah, Whales yeah, yeah. in New York Harbor, Todd. Think about it. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Cannibalism can get us there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So he teaches him telepathy and he hunts high society. <laughs> he teaches people. telepathy. Uh, but he can't kill her, ends up killing the dogs instead. But then of course people notice. Like she screams, it's like a whole thing, and that's why Lestat has to go snap her neck. I think you mean they find them in a poodle of blood. (laughs) God damn it, Mikey. This is why I love you. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only joke I wrote for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I actually saw you look down at your notes. Yeah, you were and then look back up. delivering that joke, and I was like, "Oh, I know we're in for something good." It's not even a long joke. You didn't need to read it. <laughs> yeah, <it's> just, <laughs> I don't want to mess it up. You know, Mikey, this is why you couldn't do stand. Poodle <laughs> of blood. You got to be up there for minimum five minutes, but like maximum, like an hour. Look, I've heard this talk from a woman before. <laughs> God, an hour. We soar. No, I got things to do. Yeah. Yeah. What are we in space? (laughs) So we cut back to Louis' plantation where he has kept killing chickens and people have noticed. And Lestat is just 
killing his enslaved peoples yeah without with abandon like doesn't care and they also point out that like people are starting to suspect things about them because they dine at empty tables they never eat yes. they're 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 yeah. never you know uh, awake during the day you know anything like that because you know that's it's an it's an entire like small people group that lives on that plantation mm-hmm. and they're gonna yeah. notice that when like the dude who used to be their boss isn't like and the, the dude that they they prepped food for and and fed like yeah no longer participating in normal human functions ever since his mean boyfriend came yeah yes well and they did like a whole tray of crawfish for him and he's just gonna like let it go to waste yeah like like you should Cra- no no crawfish <laughs> a good a good new orleans crawfish boil that's good times i want to yeah. eat those those little sea bugs those little river bugs I I love a good crawfish boil. Mm. Yeah, I'm just gonna pick out the chunks of andouille if that's okay. That's fine. Yeah, that's good stuff. Yeah, but it's still like it's such a waste. It's a trough yeah. of, cra- <laughs> of crawfish that falls over. It's so wasteful. But back then they had a lot. Well, they still have a lot. They, they're still a lot. They're, they're good. They're still, we are the natural predator of crawfish. <laughs> although, although my, my, again, I was watching this with my girlfriend, so excuse me if I refer to stuff I talked with her about a lot, but no, she, she pointed out that there's a good chance that actually that was uh, before that became part of uh, New Orleans culture and so it might not be historically accurate that in 1791 oh. or 1971, whichever one it is, that the crawfish would have been a mainstay of new orleans culinary delights but anyways love that they included it because it is now something we heavily associate with them cajuns and it looks cool falling off that table yeah this is also something that i was questioning because if you watch the movie in the opening credits thandy newton gets a credits call out and she's in it for just basically this scene she has one other small scene yeah she's in it for you know she has dialogue and she does have like she, because she's like the 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 indoor slave who is like uh, who served them food, and she's the one who's beseeching Louis to like you know break up with her, her his nasty boy, and <laughs> d- I, yeah. I, I I I I wonder like was. Is it because she had enough lines when she credit, or was Thandy like uh, that established at that point? But it was that was a big deal that Thandy was in it because she seems so young in it. So I didn't know if she had like an established career at that point. No, her her real like her true, if you want to call it a big break, is Mission Impossible Two, which was not out at this point. But I think this is where she and Tom Cruise meet for the first time. Oh, interesting. But SAG rules say that if you have a certain amount of lines, you get credit at a certain strata in the credits. So that must have been what it was because it's there's not it's not a huge cast at the beginning and it has like you know uh antonio and and stephen ray who's who's mm-hmm. santiago later on and that kind of thing yeah so there's very it's so thandy being included i was like okay but but in all honesty there's not a lot of other characters that have a lot of dialogue in the movie that aren't those characters right it's a lot of humans that die in a scene but like though the woman who gets her her boo bit uh she doesn't get <laughs> crediting but she's she's in she's got lots of dialogues in the scene for quite a while so i think it was fanny must have been at least something established at that point she had been in four things before this her first credit was in 91 and this was in 94 interesting so she had she had been acting for a while but she was still pretty new to still it. still green still green yeah, still green yeah she's great in this though and she, i'm sure she's great in everything but she's really good in this although i feel bad for her because her expressing some kind of concern for yeah. you know this person who has enslaved her is very very overly kind and then for that overly kindness he kills her <laughs> yeah so yeah. it's sort of terrible <laughs> anyway so tandy newton is like hey uh you seem to be a vampire and 
honestly, though, I think your boyfriend is not treating you kind and this might be a toxic relationship. <laughs> and sometimes your friends aren't ready to hear that accurate information. And Brad obviously wasn't. So he murders her for her kindness here. He murders her. And this is where he brings her body out and is just like, you're right. I'm a vampire. Burn it down. <laughs> it's, such a good, it's such a good little bit of a, like a dramatic monologue as he's exiting, oh, yeah. carrying her in his arms. And he's like, this place is damned. Your master is the devil. <laughs> I do love that he frees them all here. Apparently, Mikey told me before we started that, like, he actually in the book murders all of them, which is oh. terrible. Yeah, him and Lestat, they're like, well, we can't let anybody know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's terrible. But I do love in the movie, it is played like he just yes ands the fuck out of the people coming to burn down his house. And I'm here for that level of improv commitment. Yes. There is so much fire in this movie. Yes. Lots of fire. Yeah, Louis is a successful arsonist for sure. Because <laughs> he burns like four houses down. Yeah, like, and it's a lot of Brad Pitt, like, clearly in in the stunt room you know yeah. surrounded by fire and it's like I, it stood out to me this watching where he's just like the man spent a lot of time with fire yeah yeah that's why he's so hot he burns yep. down like all of new orleans burns down like all of paris yeah paris is burning <laughs> is not named after the famous drag ball it's actually just named after this movie yeah i mean he set that that theater on fire that ain't gonna go out no that's gonna spread well okay he also accidentally finds out that's how you kill Lestat. So he's like, well, I guess I got to keep burning everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then we find out he didn't kill Lestat. So like, well, are those other yeah. vampires that were just on fire dead? Well, he did decapitate them. Well, the, the ones that he decapitated, of course, they're dead. Now, it's been 15 years since I've read any of these books. But I think in the books, like Lestat finally wakes up in 1920. But he like gets so sad that he gets murdered twice that he's like, I'm just going to lay in the mud and bury myself in the mud and like eat worms and like just I've been there. Just be sad for 100 years in the ground. I think that's what happens. I heard that Louis was uh, actually in Paris on April 15th, 2019 when the Notre Dame fire happened. So like <laughs> we can see you reading the Wikipedia page. <laughs> yeah. I was. Uh, Todd, pull up other famous fires uh, of Europe. <laughs> All right. Triangle waste shirt. Yeah. Fire. I was like typing this into Google. <laughs> he was in Australia in 2020, right before yeah. uh, the pandemic. He was in New York, 1911. All right. We can move on past this bit. He was at our <laughs> wedding in 2019 because in it Central California. No, also there was a fire the day of our wedding and a bunch of people had trouble getting there. <laughs> Hell yeah, there was. I saw you in that dress. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> anyway, so back to this movie. Yeah. Uh, he burns down the plantation and they end up in a basement. And Lestat's like, gross, you burned all our cool stuff. Like they're like in a like a cemetery, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, it is a cemetery. Yeah, a cemetery. In my mind, it was just the cemetery he turned him at, right? I think because it is. Because it's there that he's like, hey, let's just go to New Orleans. Like I got a bunch of yeah. shit in New Orleans. We'll be good there. He turns him in his family cemetery because we I yeah. noticed in this last viewing that if you look at the gravestones you see his family name oh yes. okay and so yeah so yeah if they had burned the house down yeah they would have probably hidden in his little family cemetery yeah but all that really happens there is Lestat's like fuck you you're an idiot let's go to New Orleans yeah and then cut to New Orleans yeah well and vampires are notorious moochers where yeah. I'm pretty sure that the main reason he turned to Louis and was hanging with Louis is because Louis is rich yeah yeah because he moves mm -hmm. in with him yeah well and their emotional connection quote unquote <laughs> <laughs> just two bros yeah living together doing bro stuff raising their daughter enjoying their fine collection of fancy scarves and <laughs> i would be so pissed if i had to sit at a dining room table every night to not eat anything 
everything. I was like, why yeah. don't you guys just skip this part of your routine? I know. Why even keep up this charade? Yeah, you know, he's still got it. He's still running his plantation at that point. So they're trying to keep up appearances. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, they go to New Orleans. Uh, and this is where we cut to their apartment and Lestat has <laughs> very stealthily just like killed a girl in front of that other girl. Uh, and then he goes and bites that lady's boob. Yeah, he's like, your head has no friend for wine. And like <laughs> sort of covers her dead body, I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. she's yeah. talking like, she's to the girl. Yeah, passed out. You know that yeah. kind yeah. of thing. And the yeah. and the girl that he's talking to is it seems to be quite inebriated and oh and yeah, a bit silly in the mood. But yeah, this scene is I think the most horrifying of the scene. It yes. is, man. Like Lestat is fully like torturing that woman to try and force Brad Pitt's hand in killing her. Right? Yeah. This is Orca playing with a seal. Yeah. Yes. Around. <laughs> yeah. Um, except it's in an apartment in New Orleans. <laughs> right. Well, and I I think it backfires. Like, cause he, you know, he's trying to convince Louis, but really, this is just displaying the true horror. Yeah. Of what Lestat is and does. Yeah. And. I think for Louis, it's just even more repulsive. Yeah. Well, I mean, he doesn't give in. He does not kill her. He doesn't kill her. I mean, Lestat does. I mean, she's dead anyway. But uh, this prompts him to go out into the streets. And this is where he finds Claudia. Or rather, he goes to the plague section of town. And Claudia is holding on to what we can clearly see is her very, very dead mother. She's very dead. Like weeks dead. Not a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. Super dead. You guys are calling out in the book that Claudia is five. Yes. yes. Which makes a lot more sense in the ways that they were trying to convince us of certain elements of Claudia's character in the movie where right. she's clearly like a nine, 10 year old in the movie, but they're trying to convince us that she's too young to remember certain things. And I'm like, yeah. I have kids at nine and 10, their brains are pretty established yeah, and, <laughs> and they can remember stuff like that as well as in watching this last time, uh, we called it out that like, she's old enough to like, cause she, she's like, wake up mama wake can you wake up yeah. mama's like no that kid is not that young to re- realize that this very decayed corpse <laughs> yeah. very dead. well her mom was never a looker <laughs> that's why she has no eyes that's what we don't see the before we don't see yeah, the before yeah, yeah. that's fair yeah. yeah honestly this was a step up from her normal day to day yeah <laughs> but she also says that Pa left us and didn't come back. So I don't know if her dad is dead because it is plague. Again, another column in the evidence of my theory. What's your theory? Mom was not a looker. Oh, no. I thought he was going to be like, the dad left to go get cigarettes. Yeah, the dad did left. He's like, I have to go get tobacco for my pipe or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But Louis kind of hugs her and bites her. I think his intention being to put her out of her of her misery without Which, her knowing. Mercy killing would be another way to go if you had to kill people. Yeah. Yes, and I, I do think that's what, in his mind, he's doing here, right? Because she is clearly sick with the plague, too. Like, Well, yes. yeah, and she's, she's living in the plague part of town and was just, has been clearly hanging out with a dead, plagued corpse for several days. Yes. Uh, and I, I read it as also as Louis getting, he was also at a point of like really needing to feed at that that point yeah and so that's why he bit into her and but then still was able to you know i guess i guess he wasn't able to pull away it was that lestat comes in and shames him into breaking it off yeah Yeah. yes because 
Lestat comes in and dances with her mom's dead so body. It's my so favorite good. Lestat scene. Yeah. It is unhinged and I loved it. Like this is the most he Nicholas Cage's in this movie and I wanted more of this from him. I mean, I feel like that body would have had a little more rigor mortis uh and it doesn't and that's He's also a little very upsetting. strong. That's true. That's true. He's super strong. He's super strong. And so fast. Say it, <laughs> vampire. So Rigor Mortis disappears. I just looked this up. 36 hours after death. So if that, she had been oh. there for like a five days, it yeah. wouldn't be Rigor mortis No more fixed lividity. Thank yeah. you. That body was more than three days old. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> was. That body was like three years old. Yeah. Like, yeah, because her mouth was like, like wasted away a bit. Like yeah. you saw the yes. teeth. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is just Stan Winston's apart- department, like overdoing it a little bit where they're like, yeah. hey, we don't have another alien movie to work on right now, so we can only do this. It's great. Haven't seen a dead body look that good since. Uh, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Phrasing. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, Daniel Radcliffe's uh, dead body double oh, in Swiss Army Man. Yes, it's such a good movie. So Louis runs away because he's kind of horrified, and he goes into the sewer to eat rats. And Lestat Lestat comes and finds him and brings him back, and is like, "I have a present for you. I'm turning that girl into a vampire. Now you can't leave." And he literally says it. Yeah. As Claudia wakes up. He's like, well, Louis was going to leave us, but now he's not going to. Which her transformation scene, I love it. That's another good visual effect shot yeah. of like yeah. Kirsten Dunst, you know, going from the disheveled, hanging out with my plague mama. Yeah, look, sort of sickly. Yeah. Yes. Into her uh, curly haired doll appearance she has for the rest of the film. Yeah, she definitely enters her doll era here. Yeah. And and looks looks like a doll. Like the porcelain skin, yep. the hair, all of it. There is one shot they deprived me in this movie, which was when she does eventually realize that she can't change and she does the whole like hair clipping thing. Mm-hmm. I wanted a Santa Claus shot. Of oh, where it her, grows back. I want the hair growing back, that kind of thing. I know that's like visual effects <laughs> intensive. Yeah. That's one of my favorite VFX shots of all time is that shot in Santa Claus, which is something to say. But uh, that was <laughs> that sad. That came that out they... the same year, by the way. Did it? Yes, it did. 1994. <laughs> oh, jeez. Ah. So they could have done it. They could have done it. They could have. I looked at I was like, Santa Claus, because I know I saw that in theaters and I was like, I saw that as a kid. That had to have been around the same time. Yeah, same year. That's funny. Missed opportunity. Yeah. But this then enters into kind of a montage and a series of scenes of them as kind of like a little happy family. Yeah. Yeah. The movie yada yada is over a lot of this. But it's like, yeah, she's a serial years. killer. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, and then in the book, it goes into great detail of like her mind grows up, but her body yes. like so she's like full old lady style vampire. Yeah. In, internally. Yes. In the movie, it kind of makes her seem like she's still a child at all times. Yeah. yeah. Well, and this is a thing and we'll get to it eventually in Twilight, Todd, but in Twilight, they make a whole point of like, you're not supposed to make kid vampires. And that's why the Volturi's after us. Yep. They, they call that out in this movie, though, that like uh, they say that they're not allowed to turn mm-hmm. when, when when they meet Claudia in Paris, that they're not allowed to turn kids. Yeah. Antonio Mandera says that to him. Yeah. Yeah. Because they can't survive in their own, which makes sense because like no one would believe a kid would be wandering yeah. around. It, yeah. it, it ruins the secrecy. Yeah. Twilight gives the reason of they're uncontrollable. Yeah. That children cannot control their impulses. And so they will just kill and kill and kill and kill and kill until they get caught and killed. You recite Twilight all you want. I'll go get my copies of the books. <laughs> out of my bookshelf <laughs> over here because you know it. I, yes. I've read all those books. I saw them midnight. They're terrible. I, yep. I fully admit they're terrible. For some reason, I read them and I watched them. 
Oh boy. Oh <laughs> man. Well, if we can't get Jackie Zabrowski for the, yeah. for our, she's been on our first two Twilights. So if we can't get her, we've got. I, I have a been list. through. I've been going through a very long process of forcing my best friend who had never read or seen any of the movies to watch them, and we've watched everything but the final two movies. It's oh. been. But it's been like we actually took it. We've been we've been a long break of watching them. It's been like two, three years because I think it was pre-pandemic mm. we were doing this. Oh, geez. And so I still need to have him watch the last two movies. But he's read the last book already. He's not read any of the books, so I just made oh, him watch okay, the movies. Okay. I didn't the movies. force my friend to read Stephanie Meyer. You don't. No friend <laughs> forces another friend to do That's, that. You're a good friend. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that last one, we'll eventually get Todd there. He's never read or watched them. No. And so he's just gaining tidbits. And we were trying to explain uh, the concept of imprinting yeah. on one of those it's episodes. And, uh, oh, no, I correctly guessed it. He guessed it. He yeah. was like, does the wolf fall in love with the baby? And we yep. were like, uh. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one good thing that those movies gave us was a Michael Sheen who is having the time of his life. Yes. <laughs> that is all. For, I'm all for that. Just to see that man read the room and realize what project he's attached to and just go. I'm going to have fun. Yeah. I'm going to yeah. enjoy this. <laughs> yeah. And I'm going to take my paycheck and dance to the bank. He is the best part. I can't it's wait so to good. get to his movies. I mean, we've seen him in the second movie a little yeah, bit, yeah. but he and hasn't he gone back. fully unhinged yet. So I'm looking forward to that. But even yeah. in the first movie, when they introduced uh, the first movie he's in, they introduce him and you're like, what's he doing? What are yeah. these choices? <laughs> anyway. So they are a family for like 50 years. Yeah. Lestat teaches her to become a serial killer. The two of them kill whole families yeah. and nobody, nobody cares. And then she suddenly starts to get to a point where she's like, internally, I'm an adult, but I'm in a child body and I'm conflicted about that. Yeah. I mean, she's very angry. It's heartbreaking. It is. Yeah. That, oh God, that'd be devastating. And she sees an adult woman uh, as they are out and is like, I want to be her. And this is the second time that they're like, she's pure Creole. And it's like, that's a white lady. <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> kind of like when Brad Pitt's like, I'm Creole. And you're like, the fuck you are. Like, what? <laughs> but she ends up killing that woman. We will find out and hides her amongst all, all her right. dolls. Yeah. Which that was one of, uh, that was one of Anne Rice's complaints. She loved, loved the movie, mm -hmm. but she has like a few like criticisms that she wrote out in this, like, uh, this little uh, two page ad that she took. Yeah. Out. Yeah. And, one of them is she's like, they have heightened senses. How did they not smell, smell a that very body? decayed body? More decayed than Kirsten Dunst's uh, mom, you know, in the yeah. movie. Right. Uh, just hanging out in her bed. And and newly decaying, too. Like, not like a skeleton. Yeah. I don't actually have a sense of smell. It's a sense I'm missing because of a genetic defect I have. But I got to imagine if you have a dead body in your house, it's you're going to be able to tell even as a human. Oh, yeah, I used to work in retail and we would get rats and one dead rat is enough to clear a store. That's crazy. So like imagine a human dead yeah. body. Yeah. Oh, my God. After a couple of days, it's pretty bad. Oh, that's right. Mikey, you've seen dead bodies. Yeah. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. The first day is not so bad, I guess. From It seems like they don't smell, but like after a couple of days, it's bad. And it's like a very unique smell. That's also very bad. And it like attaches itself to your clothes. Oh, the smell does. <laughs> yeah. Dead oh, body. yeah. Not the dead body. No, the smell of the dead body. Yeah. Mike, I don't know if you want to explain to John why you encountered <laughs> I'm gonna dead bodies. I'm going to assume it's a, it's, a, it's a job thing. Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm in charge of a program where we put counselors in police cars to like answer mental health calls. But we also go on other calls, too, sometimes. Yeah. So that's why I, I figured it was in that 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 realm. Yeah. 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 You guys are being very nonchalant about it, so I, I wouldn't. <laughs> sorry. Yeah, sorry. I thought I was like, to anyone who doesn't know, <laughs> this is going to sound no, crazy. Well, and then when we like, when I made the program or whatever, I was not, not anticipating seeing a lot of bodies at all. And I was like, 
I was like, oh, that's a dead body. Okay, I guess this is like a thing now. I got to like do yeah, it. That's wild. Well, to speak about this lady that she finds and collect that that again that scene of her seeing her through the door and, yeah. and being like uh, hypnotized by this woman's you know adult body. This movie obviously is a bit heavy in the uh, the female nudity side, and I, yep. I have to stress in the AMC series you get lots of boy butt, you get lots nice. of boy na- nudity, that kind of thing. I love it. They're also hot men, so it's, uh, it's good times. <laughs> I'm just saying you get to eat later on. Okay, we get to eat. Hell yeah. Okay, I'll, I'll fill my Bridgerton hole until Queen Charlotte comes out. It'll be great. <laughs> I don't like Bridgerton hole. I don't like that combination of those. I'm two definitely words. not going to ask where that is. Uh, <laughs> is that where you pee from? <laughs> <laughs> this is Mikey from Horror Virgin. I practiced this ad for Factor in my car today. <laughs> Can you show us what you practiced? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mikey from Horror Virgin here. <laughs> Talk about Factor. <laughs> Nailed it. I have used Factor on and off the last couple of years, uh, especially since 2020. My work is very busy. I have a very busy day job. He does. I have a very busy hobby uh-huh. slash second job called podcasting. <laughs> yeah, it's so much work for you. <laughs> Eating healthy is hard. Cooking, I'm single. (laughs) Cooking single is hard. And I've loved Factor. Other people, they ship you ingredients. You have to cook them. It takes a long time. Factor, they ship you fresh, never frozen meals. And it always only takes two minutes, which is like my favorite thing. I never have to think about how long it has to go in the microwave. It's two minutes. That's what my dating profile says. Always two minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's helped me eat healthier, though. They have a bunch of like dietary options, like low calorie or protein or keto. Is it keto? 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 <laughs> Mikey, you've said it wrong so many times. I'm not sure if I remember how to say it right. <laughs> it's keto, right? Keto. No, it's keto. It's keto. But anyway, Factor's amazing. <laughs> so just head to factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 and use code horrorvirgin50 to get how much percentage off, Mikey? Were you paying attention? 50. Damn. 50% off. Literally half off. That's code horrorvirgin50 at factormeals.com slash horrorvirgin50 to get 50% off. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so she gets real upset. This is where she cuts her hair and it grows back. Of course, the Santa Claus moment that we could have had, but don't We could have had, but she still comes out. This is the scene that they also showed again. My brain's wrapped on this. This is the scene they used for the Oscars was her yes. coming out and screaming. Who did it? Who did it? Cause she's, it's her finally piecing together. Someone turned her yeah. and did yes. it at this time where she is stuck as a, te- as a 10 year old for forever. And she is upset. Great performance yeah. by she's uh, so little baby Kirsten. So yeah. good. And she ends up kind of chasing Louis down. Louis takes her to the house where he found her. And she remembers and is like, you both did it. Yeah. It's both of your fault. Yeah. It takes two dads. He does own up to it, though. He's like, yeah, I killed you. And then he turned you. Yeah. Yeah. We cut back to the house where she has forgiven him. She's like, we have to leave him. And I think he th- he's like, he'll never let us go. And she's like, oh, really? I think he <laughs> thought she was going to find a way for them to escape. Yeah. But no. Yeah, because it, it, at no point does it seem like when they reveal the plot and she enacts her thing to on Lou, Lestat, that Louis doesn't seem like he was like, he's like, I, I didn't know you were going to do this. Yeah. 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 Well, he walks into the room. He's like, oh, no, I went for a walk to monologue. And then I came back to this. <laughs> I was off on my night brooding and i come back yeah i was just walking for four years and you planned all this uh she does plan quite a bit though because she kills two boys on what was it laudanum Laudanum. Laudanum. that's what it is i don't know what that is what is that 
It's like morphine. Yeah. yeah. And then like stashes them in their front entryway and then gives them as a peace offering to Lestat, who is now drinking dead blood and like it puts the kryptonite on him, as we called it earlier. No, no, it's the Laden. The, he's like, oh, did you give me? Uh, he, he he knows that there was drugs in the he blood. He thought it was absinthe. Yeah. Well, he thought it was absinthe, but it's also he drinks dead blood. Yeah. It's that they've been the dead for a while. Because the boys are dead. Yeah. Yeah. And laudanum does make your blood warm. That's why it feels like you pee your pants, uh, which oddly came up, I think, on the last episode. It did. You is brought that it Morphe up. Yeah. makes you feel like you pee your pants. Yeah. Anyway, he drinks dead blood. And then she slits his throat. Yeah. It's very, it's, but it is one of the more gory moments of the movie. It is. Oh, and it looks yeah. great. And then we get puppet Tom. Uh, Cause he does start to look like an old elf. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they needed to have a animatronic be the Tom Cruise that's on the floor dying, but I love it. I love a good practical effects moment. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm a Muppets fan. I'm a Creature Workshop fan. Yeah. Like, how do you feel about the thing? Oh, I I just watched the thing for the first time last what? year. It's oh, so yeah. good. Yeah. My my girlfriend and I watched it, and that's a Carpenter film. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 I've been I again. There's no way my parents, my my father, who's a pastor, was going to show me John Carpenter films. Um, the thing was, I didn't absolutely adore it, but I am, in my opinion, the best of Carpenter so far and great creature workshop work. Uh, and and uh, so, yeah, that it's it's a great example of like good practical effect uses. Um, and just bizarre visuals. Yeah. I love this like dead Tom Cruise moment, just trying to reach out there on the floor and yeah, his weird old elf mouth dying yep. with blood in it. The super like pronounced cheekbones and sunken yeah. cheeks. Like it, it Very does fay. look great. Yeah, it looks great. Yeah. I, I get why they did it because to do that would have been much less cost effective with visual effects. So if that's why practical yeah. effect was still being used because visual effects were still, we hadn't learned to enslave entire uh, buildings of VFX artists <laughs> right. with low wages yeah. Yeah. in order Roto-scope. to accomplish our films. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is also, she quotes, well, or misquotes, I should say, Shakespeare uh, in this scene. The good night, sweet prince, may flights of devils bring you to your rest instead of flights fun. of angels. Very fun. The dialogue in this film is very literary. It's it's oh, very yeah. floral. Yeah. Yes. But honestly, it just makes it more fun because they're just oh, yeah. like high and fancy. It's very dramatic and I love it. It is. So they dump him into the swamp to let the gators deal with him and... They start making plans to go to the new world. But the night that they're about to leave, uh, they notice that they forgot to free the birds. And as they are about to do so, the doorbell rings. There's no one there. But who should be in the house? Swampless style. Ding dong dastardly. Yes. I love that scene. I love how they shot the curtains covering yes. the stats yeah. and you can't see him. And he's playing the harpsichord. And, yeah. And it's so... Just peak villain moment. I I adore it. Yeah. And we find out that he fucking killed that alligator, man. Oh, he did. Like, sucks his blood, snakes, toads, all the putrid life of the Mississippi uh, and is slowly starting to heal. But this is where we first get introduced to the idea that like he can be very, very close to death and come back as long as he has things that he can eat. Yeah. And it goes way more in depth to all that stuff in the book, which is cool. But like, like basically after he gets broken hearted, he just like buries himself in a cemetery in Louisiana and just like 
stays there for a while. Yeah. Until he's awoken by the dulcet tones of new metal. Yes. As we found out mm-hmm. in the next film. He's like, is that George Michael's faith done badly? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I need to watch Queen of the Dam with my girlfriend now. You oh. absolutely do, John. <laughs> There's a blood jacuzzi, John. So Louis throws an oil lamp onto the carpet, basically lighting this house on fire and they make a run for it at Lestat's feet lighting him yes. on fire yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and then they literally run to the dock and because you know fire travels to other structures that are close by like the whole town catches on fire more or less and they barely make it to the boat before the boat's just like oh the town's on fire let's get the fuck out of here <laughs> let's get so out like of here. they yeah. do make it to the boat but it's like already leaving there's a great shot where Lestat is ablaze and running around the house catching on fire and he does the wall crawl thing and they did great sound work yeah and it's just like this this uh monstrous you know non-human roar yeah it is really good it's almost a throwaway shot but it adds so much to that moment to see him doing the crawling thing again movie was masterfully made so much intent so much yeah. uh so much time yeah. put into this hence why one of the rare horror vampire movies that ever get like is in like the oscar nomination category of stuff because yeah so good yeah because breaking dawn got robbed no it did not so they end up on the boat blessedly free of rats because they're eating them but then the passengers succumb to plague yeah but they make it to the mediterranean and we get a montage of them going around europe and finding no vampires yeah it's it's a cool interpretation of how to like express traversal of time and place where it's a claudia drawing drawing and yeah. as she moves her drawings around, it's great like a uh, tracking shot that goes from them in like Europe to Claudia's drawings changing and you're seeing landmarks from Europe. And then it transitions into Christian Slater's apartment. It was a great, really great shot. It is very, very cool. And it's, it's like effects that we're used to seeing now. But yeah. this is probably the earliest movie that I've ever seen something like this. And it's so effectively done. I love watching on movies like that because, yeah, you get that experience. And to speak of another vampire movie, Bram Stoker's Dracula is all practical effects. And if you go into the movie realizing everything you're seeing is practical effects, you will come out going like, how the hell did they do that? How did they do yes, that? Like that uh, carriage chase at the end. You're just like, how the fuck? Like, yeah, yeah, bonkers. So they get to Paris. And this is where Louis like, I always wanted to go to Paris because I was Creole. And you're like, um. <laughs> You've been telling us that this whole time, but no one believes you, Brad. <laughs> In your Brad Pitt, like normal yeah. way of speaking. Yeah. Bongiorno. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they, just... they they sprinkle in some Cajun in there of like of every once in a while. They're like ma chère and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but it's really it's like I think they forget and they're like, oh. Oh, yeah. Quick. Say say something. Yeah. <laughs> Quick. Get your accent cassette tapes. Um, so as they are living in Paris and they're clearly living the high life, she's getting new dresses. Yeah. They're attending parties. They're dancing. But who should find him on the streets? But Santiago and Armand. Yeah. Antonio Banderas. Yeah. Who invites them to the Théâtre des Vampires where he's like, bring the girl. No one will harm you. But remember my name. And then we have to sit through. A couple plays that are not great. (laughs) I do like the way the vampires play it, though, because it is like they're just a theater group that specializes in vampire stories. And then they use the theater experience 
And like they do, I think, put on a play, but eventually yeah. they do bring out a victim and eat her in front of everybody. And the theater is just like horrified, but also like they're like assuming it's a part of the show. So like no one's trying to run away. They're no. not trying to help her. They're just like, oh, this is probably a bit gauche. Like, I don't know if yeah. I love this part of the play while this woman's fully getting murdered on stage. Which I don't know why they had to do it as part of the play. Like they have a whole underground thing where you just take people underground. They gone. They have to have done it because they want to do it that way. Yeah. Like it is something they enjoy. I read it as these are immortal beings that boredom is going to be a real problem. Yes, exactly. That's what I was thinking too. And g- clearly like Santiago's character alone, he's a jester. Yeah. He he's he's a comedian. He he even has that that I love the interaction with him and Brad in the uh the tunnel where he's doing copycatting and then yeah. the, the the great gimbal shot where they get yeah. him you know walking on the ceiling very Fred Astaire. Yeah, I love that. That that is the inspiration for that shot was Fred Astaire specifically. Yeah. Interview the vampire did that so we could get Inception with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing that in the hallway. <laughs> but yeah, like it, the, even uh Stephen Ray who played Santiago, he talks about how in order like to prepare for the role, he was watching like tapes of like a uh, Comédie Française, which is like the type of theater that was that they're mim- Mimicking mm-hmm. in that scene and so yeah i think it was like you're bored as a vampire and you want to like find new fun ways to to like you also have to be so secret this is a way for like again this is like queer coding yeah. where you can't be open about you know the queerness of these characters or anything like that so that's why like you can't say you know all the villains in disney movies are a bunch of gays but they are <laughs> like they do write them that way though <laughs> i mean ursula's based off of a goddamn drag Divine. queen and yeah i've never watched the movie and been like yeah i think jafar really wants to date that woman it's like no these are a bunch of homosexuals i think maybe jafar wants to date that bird yeah he, he well he just wants to live with his bird and be catty and sassy about stuff and <laughs> yeah. drink wine and be in charge and wear yeah. turbans and caftans of course yeah 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 and so like they're they have to be so secret so like this is like it's such a power play to literally in an audience not even just open out in public but an audience paid for them to do what they're supposed to do yes and they get to do it and they get to be dramatic about it and again i'm the majority of these vampires are not reading as straight and so of course they're gonna be theater kids that want to be on the stage <laughs> yeah and i do think he has a very menacing presence in this film like he's a good villain for for brad pitt i, th- I think him and lestat but like but they're, they're so different. Santiago is so Santiago. is so like, uh, which is impressive that his character is so comedic, but it's like the Joker and the Batman yes, style. That's what yes. I was going to say. He's like a Joker yeah. villain, but also like, I would also, if you're making money and doing that and you're bored, I would not want to live in a crypt with like 20 other vampires in a basement. <laughs> they, well, it's the catacombs. It's the Paris catacombs. Yeah. yeah. I, would, I would like, I kind of like how they're doing it with like a room and like they're learning piano and doing some other like reading. Like, I, I think I would have done more of that stuff. Yeah. I mean, if I'm going to sleep underground in a catacomb, give me a room. I don't want to have to still sleep in a coffin, you know? Yeah, they all have that, like, uh, that like uh, group room, and then Armand gets his room, I yeah. guess, is what it felt like. Yeah. But yeah, you, you could find a, an apartment in Paris, I'm sure. Yeah. I, I still think Armand gets off clean in this movie. I think he needs to be blamed for, like, that setup, and, like, like he's the manager. I mean, he <laughs> is the leader of that little yeah. coven of vampires. Yeah, he absolutely is responsible. Well, he's like, I'm not really the leader, but I, I think he, like, turned all of them. Them, but like didn't like them probably. He is the oldest vampire We find out in this section Right so he definitely Turned most of them Or at Maybe. least was the genesis Of all of that coven Right Yeah Yeah Well and I am of the belief That he orchestrated The attack on On 
Claudia to get her away from him so he could have Louis. Yeah. yeah. So like it, when he when Louis kind of blames him in the end, I think he's right. Well, yeah, I think we get that at the not at the end, but at the end of their story together, like when he breaks yeah. up with Antonio Banderas, his current boyfriend at the time, like he sure. does break up with them because he's like, I know you that was your idea to kill her. Yeah. 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 And, and not only that, you knew I would kill everyone else and you did not care. Like you sacrificed everybody to try and get that one guy. I know we're like right there. I love when he goes full yeah. John Wick. I love it. Yeah. I wanted honestly more of it. Yes. But at the theater, they watch as they kill a person and they're both like monstrous. This is yeah. why would you do this? This is gross. Uh, and so they kind of meet up with the vampires downstairs. Which, unfortunately, Armand, Antonio Banderas, has like a little snack child that he brings around with him just to yeah. kind of snack on, which is not great. Like a familiar. He's also the the guy driving the getaway carriage yeah. As, yeah. as they escape together. Yeah. Yeah. In my notes, I call him Little Snack for most of the rest little of snack. the time. Yeah. Little Snack. They, ex- they explore that a little bit more in the uh, TV series of like yeah. this concept of like instead of having to cause dead bodies to appear constantly around you, which you guys have pointed out, would start to be like difficult to just mm-hmm. push under the rug after you've you've eaten so many is like if you can have those who will you know participate for you as as a meal that can be helpful and i imagine i don't know they i i think there's so much interpretation of what you could say of like where did this boy come from i don't know if the books ever went you know ever talk about armand's got his own book but yeah he's always been one of the most boring characters for me in the book so i never read that book interesting i don't know but a familiar definitely the easier route i would think yeah it's also smart for like again this is why vampires are familiar because they they can care for them during the day as well and yes yeah that 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 makes sense but yeah it he he has a little snack he has a snack it's sometimes they can wake up and be inside during the day and sometimes they don't vampire rules get a little loose with yeah i mean what i mean brad's awake when he sets the whole thing on fire and it's like it's daytime he's like he had to go to the gas station buy 400 gallons of gas and bring it over there or whale oil or whatever the hell they're whatever using that, that that i think weird... it's wine i think they're casks of yeah wine. it was very red and maroonish and so i didn't know mm-hmm. what it was but yeah but he doesn't do that until after they kidnap kirsten dunst and kill yeah. her well it's it's because they they meet her during this time and are like you're not supposed to have one of those and that's part of why they take her and and santiago is using his another great villain moment is where yeah we're hearing brad's you know narration mm-hmm. like his vo yeah and santiago hears it and it's like that was a, yeah. that was a great just like pause where you're like hold up and i think he knows in that moment that they murdered lestat and that's why he says the only one yeah. like crime amongst vampires is to kill one of us right he doesn't then accuse them of doing that but i think in his mind he already heard them and knows that they did yeah he's probably reticent at immediately acting upon it considering armand likes him yeah well and we do get the first scene between brad pitt and armand where armand is basically like ditch claudia come with me i'm your new i got all these little secrets i could tell you yeah yes and he also armand makes it seem like it was okay that they killed lestat because he's like I knew him well enough not to mourn his passing. Yeah. yeah. Well, Lestat's kind of, no one likes Lestat in the, like, no vampires like Lestat. He's kind of a diva. Yeah. Well, and while this is happening, Claudia goes out and finds a woman who works in a doll store. And this woman has lost her daughter. And so Claudia is like, if we make her a vampire, she could be my mother. I could be her daughter. Everyone wins. Everyone wins. We leave. You stay with your new boyfriend. It's because, yeah, she can tell she's got, you know, abandonment issues and she can tell that Louis is uh, is is 
feeling this this Armand thing. Yeah. And she she also reads the room that like like she's like I am in fact like you know while we are we refer to each other as beloved and whatever like father daughter whatever sister brother that kind of thing she is stuck in this body and it's a clearly Louis wants a boyfriend. Claudia can never be the, you know, the boyfriend that, that he wants. And so she just, she can feel that. And yeah, and, and I mean, come on, anybody who goes and sees that Antonio Banderas is a uh, mooching on your, is anything other year, like things are, things are going to go bad. Yeah. Mr. Banderas is definitely a Mr. Steal your vamp. Yeah. <laughs> but also, uh, yeah, I get it. So she turns this woman or he gets Louis to turn the woman, but like, in the book, this all takes a while, and like they live with this woman all together for like a year or so or more. I, oh wow, that's okay. so much better than how it's played in the movie because I feel so bad for this woman. Oh, I know she immediately gets turned, and then that night she gets murdered, <laughs> or I guess that yes. dawn, I should say. That, but, that yeah, dawn, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. No, I do remember in the book that they were together for a while, and she like travels with them, and she yeah. gets like annoying. <laughs> we're like Louis, like annoyed with her. Well, I, I, I <laughs> yeah. that's in the book. I also know like uh, Louis spends like decades with Armand yeah like yeah. He, he, he he's him and him and Armand are boyfriends for quite a while uh but they they don't know they almost immediately break it off in the movie and he he leaves him but yeah this poor woman is signing up to have her forever doll and she doesn't quite doesn't pan out for her no yep doesn't pan out because the theater vampires come and kidnap them they immediately they they brick Louis into a wall in a coffin they throw Claudia and Madeleine is the new mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, you're right. I, yeah. Mom for a day. I, man, I, I really do think being bricked up in a coffin and kept alive forever is by far the worst of those two punishments. Yeah. Well, because the other one, they're just they, they are put in like a sunroom. Yeah. Which th- this is why it also cracks me up on what we do in the shadows where the vampire council has a sunroom that looks exactly like this. <laughs> and it's how they punish people. Yeah. It is like. Like the perfect punishment for a vampire. I mean, oh, yes. it's so frightening. The that yeah. shot of looking up and just seeing that. Oh, the creeping dread. Yeah. Of the sun is so scary. Yeah. Like, yeah. and it's so sad because when they die, like in each other's arms, you're just like, oh, that's so sad. It's brutal. <laughs> and so Armand comes and unbricks the wall and lets Brad Pitt out, but not in time to save Claudia, who is literally just like ash, like Pompeii. Well, he's like, oh, I could. I couldn't do that. Yeah, I couldn't get there in time or whatever. Whoops. Wink. Oops. Wink. Yeah. yeah. I think in the book, I don't think he has them kidnapped because I think Louis would have figured it out and been really mad at him. If I remember in the book, she is careless and gets found out somehow. Something like that. Yeah. Something happens where Armand's not like the villain. Armand's not the villain in the book. Yeah. Okay. But Brad Pitt then shows up a couple days later and burns the entire shit down with wine, but then also has a scythe. And he looks exactly like the kid from Children of the Corn with that scythe. It's awesome. This is the coolest part of the of the movie. It's the scythe that uh, Santiago used in his uh, yeah. in the play. Yeah, I loved it though. Like he he uses it too, man. He like decapitates a lady, cuts a dude in half. Best moment from that scene where he is down in that catacombs and they're on fire, and he's 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 waiting out at, at their spawn point with his, uh, with his <laughs> weapon, ready to Just spawn kill these guys. Getting them as they come towards the door. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Is the one vampire that just launches out like springs were underneath his back. <laughs> oh, yes. That's awesome, though, right? It's like, so good. And these people have not learned about Stop, Drop, and Roll yet. No, no, no. no. He, they they just flail and wail around. More air into the yeah, swing. Yeah, and, and you find yeah. out in the books, like the like the older you get, the more powerful you get. But yeah. also yeah. the more powerful vampire. They say that vampire, in one line in the movie. Okay. And the more powerful a vampire turn you, the more powerful you start out with. 
Interesting. Lestat was like turned by like someone really powerful. So like Louis more powerful than the average. Okay. Indie. Interesting. That might have been retconned in the Vampire Lestat book, but like, but still that would hold true. Sure. Yeah. But they burned the shit down. His final like quick little battle with Sa- Santiago was cool as shit too, because it's like very on- quick but fun. Yeah, it's like on the stage and they like sort of run towards each other and he's got the scythe. Yeah, Santiago like it's 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 very clunky. Yeah, '90s visual effects, practical effects. They did, but they, they do the the vampire like fast, flash run. Yeah, like the flash, flash run. run, and the flash yeah. run's not very good in this movie. It's not like, great. Even at the top of the movie, when Brad Pitt does it to get the light switch on. Yeah, it's uh, you know we've got a ways till we get to Smallville, and it looks pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> but Brad Pitt like knows where he's gonna go, so he like slashes there and cuts yeah, Santiago yeah, yeah. in half, and it's dope. It's so they, cool. it's yeah. kind of a a little bit of a Dragon Ball Z moment where it they're did all feel- moving to fast yeah 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 it was great so here's actually this is the crazy thing is that he he gets the scythe and does that cleave from the shoulder down to like his other rib section so you got this weird cross section yeah i literally just watched the movie yesterday and was there a shot where the that the bot the top part of the body was on the floor and Santiago was still moving a little bit, or do we never see that? You see it on the floor. Okay. Yeah, you see it on the floor. I don't think you see. I don't it know if moving. he's moving or not. Because Stephen Ray talked about that there was they they did a practical like setup mm-hmm. of like him his head being in like a, a puppeteer body like he's mm-hmm. under the floor and the 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 cross section is above the floor and his head pokes through so it looks like that's him and he talks about how like he had to sit in that very uncomfortable practical set setup for like an hour for them to get the shots that they needed but I was like I don't think that made it into like the final cut because I think you just see the body get cut and then that that's it because they and yeah. they probably cut that for like ratings purposes because like seeing that piece on the floor would have been much more graphic it would have been yeah I mean, maybe it just didn't look good enough but people being uncomfortable while they did visual effects is like this movie's jam like yeah. it happened to everybody <laughs> you hear that in a lot of movies and a part of me goes like shut up you take your millions of dollars and do it <laughs> yeah. but but I have been on sets i have been at night shoots i have been doing like outdoor winter filming and how are you enjoying your millions of dollars i oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> can you see my lavish apartment uh, it, it gets you it gets you bad um, yeah, absolutely. you start losing it and that, and that and i'm talking about like i've done like a week of night shoots Brad Pitt talks about like six months of basically being nocturnal and being in London, which probably also wasn't like the most comfortable thing to be at night, even though they were often in studio. So I, I, you know, I want to tell them like, shut up. You know, it's like uh, Cummings, who was a nightcrawler in the X-Men. Oh yeah, Alan Cummings. Yeah. Alan Cummings. He he talks about how that makeup setup was just horrendous and he would never do that again. Yeah. And I get it. Like full body, like Rebecca Romaine, again, X-Men, like champion. Yes. uh, Sat in that chair to be turned into that. um, So. For like three hours a day. Yeah. Yeah. It's like people like her and like Jim Carrey for the Grinch. I'm like, you deserve an award for just like sitting through that. Yeah. And Brad Pitt, like even just the context and like the makeup for his face was probably the worst. Although they do talk about how to, I don't know why they did this. I'm like, there's gotta yes. be better ways to add. This yeah, is this, my fun veins. facts, but yes. It's yeah. the, to get their veins painted on and emphasized correctly. They hung upside down for like 30 minutes yes. before putting the makeup on. And I'm what? like, so the blood would rush to their heads that and they had to do it multiple times. Yeah. I don't know why you wouldn't photograph it the first time. <laughs> right. And then just like, and then just match it every time. 
Can't photograph vampires. <laughs> <laughs> if that was the reason, that'd be so funny. That's a good one. That was better than your poodle joke. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Disagree. Anyway, back to the movie because we're so close to the end. We are. We are so close. So he kills them all. And then Armand pulls up with a little snack and they drive away. Little snack. <laughs> he drives up. It does. When you when you talk about him being the driver for the thing, it really does sound like a street name from like Fascinating Fears. Like this is little snack. He's our driver. Yeah. And he's family. He yeah. used to work on car radios and now he's going to hack the space shuttle. Yep. He used to steal VCRs. Yeah. His name is Freddy. Freddy Odorf. <laughs> Oh, Mikey. Because he's a little snack, but he's French. Yeah. yeah. No, I loved it. Yeah. Okay. You could tell from how much Todd was laughing. Yeah. yeah. At Pierre Atizer. Oh, see, there you go. There you go. Anyway, little snack drives him off. And uh, he and Armand have a conversation where Armand's like, I could teach you to not regret. He's like, oh, if that's the only thing you have to teach me, uh, I'm out. Yeah, because I don't want to not regret. We're broken up now. Yeah. I'm not going to give you back your CDs. <laughs> yeah. No, I do love their dialogue in that little scene where they're walking through all those paintings dressed impeccably. The costuming right. and the food and, and that that little their little outfits during that. They, they were cute. Yeah. I love that Armand is expressing that what entices him so much to uh, Louis is that he is like a, a vampire that still has his humanity. Yeah. Like if Armand, if we're following this, this line of like he orchestrated all these vampires dying, he clearly is bored of all of these vampires yeah. who oh, are yeah. vampires. And Louis is the hot new thing and he wants the hot new thing. And I, and I think they have a great conversation about that as they're walking through it. I would have loved like, Again, I, the books, you know, went into it more of like longer time with Armand and Armand has a lot more story. And so I would have loved that from the film, but it's a it's a nice goodbye moment. It is. And Louis makes it for the rest of the books, I think. Like he's in Queen of the Damned and all sorts of stuff. Really? So he's he the, is, but he's not in the movie, though. No, he's not in the movie. But in the, yeah. everybody loves him. he like. Louis and I think Lestat's mom become really close friends too. Like it's all How weird. Close? Well, really close. They hold hands and go for monologues. That's practically <laughs> sex in this universe. That's the only yeah. yeah. But like uh but like that's his thing is that he has his humanities to or he yes. has a lot of emotions. Yeah. He still feels. He's not a true on sociopath like a lot of the vampires yeah. are. Yeah. Lestat's mom, yeah. I think, doesn't like. He, she like lives like a wild person, like in the woods, like hunting wolves, and like stuff. a feral person. Yeah, kind of okay. like that. Cool. Anyway, we cut through a montage of Louis being like, "So I walked around for like I don't know, like two hundred more years." <laughs> yeah. Still like, like he yada yadas till nineteen eighty nine. Although he talks about it like uh, it was, and I think the nineteen twenties when he saw the sunset again, and it was silver at first, and then purple, and they show like yeah, on Louis with the Becomes a big movie fan. And then he goes and sees like tequila sunrise and sees a better sunrise. I like that Superman is in this movie. I do I like, yeah, like yeah, that yeah. there's a shot yeah. of Superman in this movie. Flying backwards to turn the world back around. Yes. I do like the premise of vampires going to see movies with sunset in the title and only going to see it for like the sunrise or sunset part of it. Yeah. Like going to see before sunrise and being like, can we get to the sunrise? Yeah. See, <laughs> now would be the time to be a vampire. There's a lot of content to consume now. Yeah. 
This really would be the golden age of being a vampire for sure. Yeah. But as he's walking through New Orleans, he smells death and walks into this old abandoned house where bat just like <laughs> flies at him. Yeah. But it turns out that Lestat's been there eating hella rats. Yeah. He's been eating the rats. Yeah. Yeah. He's on an all rat diet. What is the, the, uh, is it, is they, cause they never explained in the movie, but I think you guys kind of talked about it that, that it's the idea is that he was so depressed. Yeah. He s- stayed buried or stayed in the coffin okay. until like just now or like a, yeah. a couple months before Louis finds Because it's believe. a lot of it's a lot of time has passed since the fire where he would have been yeah. damaged. But I'm like in that yeah. time he would have like healed and eaten right. and been fine. But we're going we're cutting to like nineteen eighty and he's yeah. he's he's not fully decayed as he was like with zombie Tom, but he's pretty bad. And I just never it, this rewatching I was like why is he like that? Because I get it makes for a really nice dramatic moment yeah, of Louis right. and Lestat finally returning to each other, but I never fully read of like, why is he that way? They can like hibernate. Okay. I bet his body is weak because it just came out of that hibernation. Yeah. So yeah. he's like sort of starving, I guess. Oh, and he, he like was so depressed he wasn't eating was part of it. Yeah. Been there. Everybody's been there a little Same. bit. For, for 200 years. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So Louis is like, glad you're back, but we're not going to hang out. I'm out. Bye. <laughs> and we cut to him basically. I mean, he does a, a helicopter flies over and he does have to tell Lestat about light bulbs. Yeah, Lestat's scared. Yes. <laughs> but why is that helicopter there? Like, what are they doing? That also, I was like, why is that there? That helicopter is. 15 feet away from yeah, the it window. Is so outside close. the window. It is clearly on a crane. Like, yes. it is that close. And then it shines a light on these two dudes in an abandoned house that are dressed the way they're dressed. Yeah. And then flies the fuck away and does yeah, nothing. nothing to see here. Nothing to see here. Crazy. Instead of like, you're a person of interest. Like, no. <laughs> Just, yeah. Just another day in New Orleans. Yep. So we cut to present day with Christian Slater and Brad Pitt's just like, and that's the end. That that brings us up to like now. And Christian Sater's like, that what? Your ending sucks. Yeah. Yeah, your ending sucks. You should make me like you. And he's like, Did you not fucking listen to the story I just told you about yeah. how lonely and sad this is? And he's like, No, I fully have not. I've yeah. just been sitting here letting the tape run. In Christian Slater's defense, he heard a story of how Brad Pitt is the only sad vampire. That is true. He's like, hey, I'm super sad about this, but everyone I met was super jazzed about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like the uh, w- another one of the shots of the film that really stood out to me in my last rewatching was when Christian Slater fully misreads the room and Brad Pitt, you know, is angry at him. He has that, you know, lifts him up to the ceiling yeah. thing. Yeah. And the top down shot of Brad Pitt looking up at Christian is the most ferocious Brad looks yes. in the entire film. Yeah. It's the, it's like the only time Louis looks scary. Yeah. Where he, he is like, he's actually like a, fer, like a feral vampire at that point. And I love that they save that for the end to really emphasize how upset Louis would be at having told his tragic story to this moronic journalist who at the end is like, so we're supposed to be boyfriends now. That's what I heard from the story. <laughs> right? You want a new boyfriend. And, he's and like, Brad's no! like, no, we're just <laughs> friends. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I will eat you. You idiot. No quesadilla for you. <laughs> no, but so Christian Slater runs out of the house. Brad Pitt disappears. He gets in his very fancy convertible and drives away across the Bay bridge. And who should pop up out of the back seat? But Lestat. And he has put in the tape that he recorded. So yes. we're listening to the, to Louis talk about the beginning, the beginning of the, of the, movie, the story. Yeah. So Lestat would have the context of uh, that's Louis. And I love that. Like he does bite 
Christian Slater and then start driving the car and he pulls his puffy sleeves out. The and little, he's like, the little, yes. the little yeah. lace being pulled and out. And he's like, I've been listening to that guy bitch and whine for like 200 years. Oh, so funny. <laughs> I love that part. Yeah. And then he says to him what he says to Brad Pitt with the whole, I'm going to give you the choice I didn't get, which I think is a cool part of Lestat's sort of story. Except that the choice is death or vampire. Right. I mean, but he is, <laughs> but he is going to kill you no matter what. I'm not saying he's a good guy i just like that that's part of his story yeah and you gotta remember lestat's got the telepathy too that's yeah, true yeah that's true yeah. so he knows that that christian's uh character you know wants it and that kind of thing and so that's what you know entices lestat but yeah i mean it's, it's 90s tom cruise who didn't yeah. want it he, he wanted it what was he wearing what how, he looks like he wanted to be a vampire did you see tom cruise's puffy sleeves come on that car <laughs> was topless no. <laughs> yeah, that car was topless. Oh no! It is a great final scene that it they is. added into the movie. That's not you know that has nothing to do with like the original stories of stuff. And I do love that. It's I think it's a great moment that emphasizes why while Anne Rice was not excited about Tom Cruise at first being cast, once she saw the movie, she was like, "He was Lestat. Yeah, that is my yeah, Lestat. She, liked him. Yeah. she yeah. liked him so much. I mean, yeah. he is amazing." And that's the movie. So having seen the movie, having talked about the movie, what'd you guys think about Interview with the Vampire? I think it holds up. Yeah. Same. A hundred percent. Yeah. I saw it a few times in high school. I probably saw it once between then and now. I, I was honestly very happy to see how well I, I thought it held up. And I was sort of mad that I just did not get the gay coding of this whole movie the first few times I watched it like I enjoyed it way more because of that this time I was like shit I love this yeah uh, and I'll definitely rewatch this like Natalie loves this movie too so there's no way we're not going to watch this movie together again the, the movie I felt I remember the first time I watched it and and I, I remember the opening stuff was not getting me I, I wasn't sold on this whole Christian Slater thing mm-hmm. at first uh, for some reason the first shot of Brad Pitt's makeup was w- turned me off a little bit when he turns the light on because it's just that nasty like you know fluorescent bulbs lighting up his white makeup and so I remember like in the first 10 minutes of the movie going like what am I getting in here but the movie (laughs) immediately grabs you yeah and it's a two hour plus movie yeah it's just over two hours yeah two hours but it's got a great structuring. It's got great pacing. You got like three acts that really like build up and pay off each time. Yeah. And even though it's there's so much melodrama in the script and it's very over the top. There's even there's moments of camp. I love um, it. I love campy shit though. It's so fun. But it never it never winks at you and right. it's like like no like just play along with this. It never does that. It takes itself like pretty seriously and keeps going with it and really encapsulates like so much of its theme so perfectly like the codependency, the loneliness, the otherness and it just keeps that through line all the way through. And there's not a there's not a bad performance in the entire film. No. Everyone is selling it. Even the lady who gets her boob bit. Yeah, even the bit parts. They're, yeah. they're nailed. <laughs> Literally Everyone does the a great bit job. parts. <laughs> I didn't realize I said a joke when I said that joke. But yeah. It, makes, like, it does make me sad. Uh, granted, I haven't watched Queen of the Damned yet. That the movie's <laughs> set up 
at the very end, a, yes. a, a, a non-canonical like uh, sequel kind of setup, like where there could have been another Lestat movie. And I Lestat, remember when Christian I watched Slater, it, Slater, Buddy Vamp movie. Yeah, I'd have been here for that. I'm so sad it didn't happen, and I, and I'm sure like it just got lost in like the contract agreements and scheduling kind of stuff because the movie made money. The movie did yeah, well. We're gonna talk about that. Yeah. yeah, Oscar nominations, but it makes me sad. What could have been? The next book is Lestat's story, so he could have told yeah. his story to Christian Slater and been, been a so perfect good. frame. Oh yeah. my god. Oh, that would have been so good. Oh, yeah. And they would have just used the interview style as like yeah. the narrative device. It could have been an interview with Lestat. Yeah. Yeah. Which is basically his book. I got yeah. your first 30 pages right here. Let's do that. Well, if you if you remember from when we did Queen of the Damned, uh, there was a lot of studio infighting yeah. regarding the second movie. And they when they chose to combine the book Queen of the Damned with the movie The Vampire Lestat or with the book Vampire Lestat, they kind of like combine two books. And that's how we get this weird hybrid. And that's part of why Anne Rice hated it. And we'll talk about it a little bit in fun facts here. But like she went on record as saying like, you had the blueprint for two more movies and you God. just got greedy. That must yeah. I never even thought about how frustrating that must be because she, even Interview the Vampire took about 18 years for production yes. to finally get and do it. So this woman's Jesus. waiting, you know, around and being toyed around with for two decades. Yeah. And then she gets Interview the Vampire. It's a masterpiece. She loves it. You said it. Cut, pulls out a two-page ad yeah. to talk about how good it is. And then the follow-up is Queen of the Day. <laughs> Oh, and it's, dude, when you see Queen of the Damned. I've seen 20 minutes. I know what I'm getting into. It's, and and again, that's the best 20 minutes. It's astonishingly terrible. It's a terrible, perfect movie. Yeah. Well, it changes a lot from the book, too. Well, of course, because the book was written at a time where if they had made it, at around the same time they actually wrote the book or even at the time this movie came out interview came out the music would have been like way better in it yeah because it wouldn't have been that new metal shit yeah but Paige, do you have any fun facts for us i do well hit us with your fun facts Vampire so many fun, fun facts. facts this is obviously <laughs> an extremely famous movie with tons of fun facts yeah. there's no way we could get through every fun fact in time. So I've just pulled out some interesting ones and we will go through them. Perfect. Let's do it. So Christian Slater was given this role upon the death of River Phoenix. Originally, River Phoenix was supposed to play his role. Damn. And uh, because of that, Christian Slater donated his salary from the movie to River Phoenix's favorite charities. Oh, that's amazing. River Phoenix would have been amazing in this movie. That would have been amazing. I, I think Christian yeah. Slater does a great job, but that's so sweet of him to do that for. I'm assuming they were friends, right? They yeah. were friends. Uh, they were very close friends, but also River had died literally months before production. Yeah. Like this would have been one of his next films. So Ugh. yeah, it was brutal. Yeah. Now, speaking of other people who were originally cast, Daniel Day-Lewis was, was originally cast as Lestat, uh, but dropped out weeks before production uh which caused delays uh it came down after him to tom cruise and johnny depp and johnny depp ends up turning it down really um, okay yes i mean i think all three of those people obviously we get tom cruise and he's great but i think the other two would have been amazing too yeah. i don't know i think daniel day lewis and tom cruise i think would be the better choice me too yeah, yeah agreed yeah. agreed i mean i'm i wouldn't say no to a daniel day lewis vampire movie me i know either. we've passed that time yeah i think johnny depp would have hammed it up a little bit a little bit i think we got a good one with tom cruise i would have also taken a daniel day lewis but also 
and Rice met with Tom Hanks for the part of Lestat after seeing his performance in Philadelphia, and he turned it down to star in Forrest Gump instead. Good choice for him. I mean, obviously. Everyone did well in that. In yeah. Everyone, Everyone did well did in well. that choice. And honestly, yeah. I'm glad he's not Lestat. I love Tom Hanks, but I don't think it I don't think he has it within him to be this no, like no, weird, I, eccentric over. I mean, yes. maybe he does. Cool but, gay boyfriend. Yeah, like I just don't. I mean, I realize he was in Bosom Buddies, but I just don't think he could pull this off, right? <laughs> now, I think Nicolas Cage would have been an, a weird outside choice, but especially Nicolas Cage at this time. Yes. Wild. Yes. This is like Caster Troy era. Yeah. Nicolas Cage. Yeah. Little face off action. Yeah. What you get with Tom is you not only get someone who can pull off the cruelty and yes. the, the, the manipulation, but like you, we talked about at the very beginning, it's like you also get the the statuesque, beautiful vampire yes so you've got because the tom cruise and brad pitt is just like you taking your two most beautiful dolls and pushing them yes. together because yeah. that and that works out because that, <laughs> that's what i think sells this is that they're both just like models of models is what they yes just like. they are yeah. yeah so speaking of dolls uh christina ricci lily sobieski julia styles aaron moore evan rachel wood all auditioned before kirsten dunst eventually got the role of Claudia. I mean, they were all great. Yes. I think Kirsten Dunst fucking crushes this. She crushes yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned this a little bit in our discussions earlier, but every actor working on this film had to hang upside down for 30 minutes during makeup to then outline their veins. And again, I don't know why they didn't just take pictures, but because your veins fade so fast after doing that, they would have to repeat it multiple times throughout the makeup process. So that actually lengthened the makeup process by hours just to get those veins right, which again, cameras exist, but yeah. yeah. There's probably some conversation that could explain why this was necessary. Because yeah. like yeah. after day one, you know people are pitching alternatives. Oh yeah. Of course. Now, when Anne Rice wrote the book in 1976, she had Rutger Hauer in mind, who I think would have been a fucking terrifying Lestat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think that would have been great. And pretty. Yeah. Because like him in a... Blade Runner. Yeah. yeah. Yes. yes. So John Travolta at one point was also asked to play Lestat in a very, very early um, pre-production period. It doesn't really go anywhere. Um, but that was in the 70s when the book first came out. Yeah. Uh, they opted not to make the movie because Dracula just came out. Uh, Nosferatu, the 1979 version and Love at First Bite with Nicolas Cage or uh, Once Bitten came out right after this, too. Once Bitten's pretty funny. Is that the Jim Carrey one or is that Nicolas yeah, Cage? Yeah, that's Jim Carrey. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so by the time those movies came out, Rutger Hauer and John Travolta were both considered too old to play Lestat. Mm. Yeah. Even though apparently Rutger Hauer would also end up as uh, a vampire in both Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie and Salem's Lot in 2004. But at the point that they cast Tom Cruise, Anne Rice was furious and said that he couldn't do it. Yeah. And she recused herself from production. Now, this is something she does a lot. She was uh, very picky about how her work gets translated to film. And so she didn't view the film until a producer sent her a VHS copy and she was so impressed that she wrote Tom Cruise an apology letter and recorded a two minute video endorsing the film and I love then that. took out a two page ad. That's eating crow right there, man. Yeah, man. Like publicly and being like, hey, I fucked up. He nails it. That's like, class. Yeah, that is. Yeah, in both Vanity Fair and the New York Times, calling yeah, this film a damn. masterpiece and specifically citing his performance as part of why she loved it so much. He is 
her Lestat. She basically refuses to accept anyone else, Same. which is tough because he's getting old. Uh, but she has not been happy with any future portrayals of Lestat or was not happy with any future portrayals of Lestat and then sadly passed away a few years ago and has yeah. not seen the most recent AMC version, but she probably would have liked it. Who knows? There, Lestat's fantastic in the AMC series. Great yeah. uh, Australian actor. Nice. Obviously, uh, that's a pretty stark contrast to Queen of the Damned, which she basically disowned. Yeah. Uh, she hated it so bad, so badly she tried to buy the rights back from the studios. Like, wow. that's how much she hated that movie. And part of the problem with that movie is they only had the rights for a certain amount of time and they had not been able to do a sequel in that time of course tom cruise very busy brad pitt's very busy no one was able to do the sequel and they were running out of time so they smashed two movies together mm. to try and get a movie out to retain the rights and it is queen of the damned and it is terrible it's like why the fantastic four movies always suck yes yeah. and so that's how queen of the damned the crazy movie happens so she pulled a little bit of the the seuss family after watching yes. cat in the hat yeah cat in the hat was terrible but the grinch is so good and yeah, so I'm well yeah like, but that was the know. movie that they they like basically were like we're not doing any more live action dr seuss yeah. movies yeah now in entertainment weekly in 2001 brad pitt revealed that he had a miserable experience on this film uh the makeup was very uncomfortable because he had to hang upside down uh the colored contacts made it difficult to see and also dried his eyes out so badly uh that he had to constantly apply eye drops and they filmed in an enclosed dark indoor area which means that his eyesight suffered for months after the film yeah um he said that he actually called uh david geffen who produced this film and begged him to let him quit the movie. Uh, but David Geffen basically told him that for him to quit and for them to reshoot what they'd already shot, it would cost 40 million. And so he Oof. begged him to basically tough it out for the remaining months. And he did. Yeah. But he cites this as being one of his worst filmmaking experiences. I mean, it, some of that, like, I think sadness about it shows up in his performance and I think makes it better. Yes. It does, honestly. Because it, th that that comes through in his performance. So this was the highest grossing vampire movie of all time for a decade um, until Twilight came out. Um, however, as of 2016, it is still the highest gro grossing R-rated vampire film of all time, um, which means it beats out pretty much all of the Blades and many other horror-based vampire movies and all the Underworlds, etc., now, this was Kirsten Dunst's first on-screen kiss, and neither of them were happy about it. Yeah. Uh, she says uh, she felt like he had cooties because she's like, I was 12. Yeah. And I guess Brad Pitt tried to get it cut out of the movie because he was like, I don't like this at all, which credit to both of them that they're yeah. both like, this is weird. It is weird. But I, and I get that she's playing like a 75 year old woman stuck sure. inside a 10 year old woman's body. But it's the visual is still very weird. Yeah. yeah. It's something that yeah. is it makes sense, like in the literary sense and that you can read this and be like, it's interesting to explore this this right. weird juxtaposition of a, a child being turned into an immortal being that has to live for forever and that kind of thing. And so it's less creepy when you don't have to like 
actually literally see a 10-year-old right. girl, you know, right. kiss yeah. Brad Pitt. Now, Tom Cruise, short king, is placed on an elevated platform during most of the scenes in the film to reduce the height difference between him and other vampires, not just Brad Pitt, literally oh, all Cruise the other vampires. Yeah. I forgot. He's short king. Uh, he also insisted on a private set, so tunnels were built to escort the actors to and from the set. He claims that this was done so that the vampire's makeup effects would remain a secret. Sure. Um, That's definitely why. That, I'm, a, yeah, I'm okay. sure. Yeah. I don't know. He's very extreme. He's a strange man. Yeah. He's a strange man. Yeah. Now, Anne Rice is credited with the screenplay of this film. However, she did write the initial drafts. It was heavily rewritten by the director. But per WGA rules, the percentage that you of the material you wrote that contributed to the final product of the film determines who gets writing credit so neil jordan gets some other credits uh so sometimes you'll get like a story by credit or a consultant credit or things like that but Anne rice is still credited with the screenplay despite multiple changes um the historic plantation that they shot on in mississippi uh is a historical building with a uh, essentially a tour and there's a guest book that is on display signed by both brad pitt and tom cruise love that uh and then i'll end with this one because it's of a, a personal nature that i'm very happy about according to kirsten dunst and this is the origin of this hollywood story uh, Tom Cruise sends her a coconut cake with white chocolate chips every Christmas. She refers to it as the Cruise cake, and she's always excited to receive it, admitting that the cake never lasts a day. Tom Cruise has continued to do this for like 20 years. He sends out like 100 cakes a year to people who have worked with him on movies. Every single person that has had this cake swears that it is the most delicious cake they've ever had I read about this somewhere yes the bakery is 10 minutes away from my new house uh i tried to get one and they're like uh you're gonna only get one through tom so no <laughs> no you can you can absolutely buy them they're like a hundred bucks but uh, like you know whatever but there's like a two-year waiting list like it's crazy Paige, so are you, are you on, that you on waiting the waiting list, list? we will do this Instead of getting on the waiting list, I made one oh. because you can find very similar recipes. And I'm here to tell you, it's fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's you had a Tom cake. I had a Tom cake. I do eventually want to taste like Pepsi Challenge, the original yeah, with like the, the one I thing. made. That'd be fun. Uh, so and I made it this week. I still have one slice left in my fridge. Uh, but Tom, if you're out there and you're interested, Tom, come on down to Pages Fridge. Test it out. Yeah. Come test it in my fridge. I baked it in my new kitchen. Um, <laughs> but I did a ton of research on like what they're doing in the recipe based on people who've had. I watched videos of people taste testing the kit, like a whole thing and wrote, came up with a recipe. <laughs> and the, the what the product I got from the recipe I made was amazing. So I can only imagine that that cake is phenomenal. And those are your fun facts. Well, thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's talk a little bit about box office. So what do you think the production budget was for Interview with a Vampire in 1994? 40 million. Okay. I'm going to say 60. I know the answer, so I'll, I'll, I'll recuse myself. You'll have to recuse yourself. Yeah. So I'll tell you right now, the budget was... 
50 million dollars you can tell you could see it on the screen i agree it's like a bunch of stars at the time and everything looks expensive and beautiful um yes if you adjust it for inflation that's a little over 100 million dollars is 101.8 million dollars today now this movie came out on november 11th 1994 and it was number one the week it came out it beat the number two movie the santa claus that also premiered that week i guess Definitely they what have, i saw that week yeah they should have <laughs> in that trailer really shown off that hair effect and then Santa Claus might have been number one that week. Stargate was number three. Pulp Fiction was number four and Frankenstein was number five. What do you think Interview with a Vampire made its opening weekend? I mean, was it a blockbuster? Did it get a hundred million? Yeah. Oh yeah. Not in its opening weekend though. And remember, it's it's 94. Rated R. Rated R. 1994. Yeah. I'm going to say 25 million. Yeah. I was going to guess like 20, 25. I was going to say 30, but yeah, I'm guessing over time. Did I get it? You're close. It was thirty-six point okay. three wow. million dollars. Well. Right, so right, it did. Right. It beat all of our expectations for sure. But Paige, yeah. as you were saying, it was in the theaters from November 11th yeah. through the weekend of March 3rd, 1995. Because it has to go through Oscar season. Yeah, and so that's 17 weeks it was in theaters. So and for its first five weeks, it was in the top four, and then for the first six weeks, it was in the top ten. So it, it held pretty well in theaters. But what do you think it made domestically in the box office in '94? 97. Okay. Mikey, what do you think? 125. All right. Now, John, do you know or do you have to continue recusing? I know how much it made total. Okay. I have that too. We'll talk about that. Domestic, I'm going to go, like, it's got to go over 100. I think it was like 115, maybe even maybe even higher. Like, I, I actually, my gut is like 150. Okay. So it's actually 105. So $105.2 okay. million. But, and uh, as you were getting to, John, it did make a lot overseas as well. Yeah. So the international market was $118.3 million, putting yeah. the total worldwide, and again, this is $1994, at $223.5 million which if you adjust for inflation is $455.3 million today. So Jeez. pretty amazing for a rated R yes. vampire horror romance. Yes. Yeah. For this to have come in at the 50 million mark in 94 and still make five, almost five times that, like that's amazing. That's great. I'm sure Dave and Geffen was thrilled. And that's yeah. one of the reasons he's a, like a 10 billionaire. Like that dude's so rich. Well, this is right around the time that they found DreamWorks, SKG, Spielberg, Katzenberg, Geffen. And yeah. so like, this is part of the money that wow. found DreamWorks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But that is your box office. Mike, you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, our scary scale listeners, how scary we found the film today. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our 10 example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. John, if you want to go first, how scary did you find it when you watched it? When I watched it as an adult? Yeah, today. Oh, today, I mean, it's not, it's not that scary. Of the horror stuff, it's much more like, emotionally scary like when they're having those emotional scenes like I talk about like like the woman being thrown into the coffin and screaming that's scarier than Lestat getting his throat cut and you know yeah. bleeding out on the floor because I find moments like that of like you know that's like abuse that's yes. that's human cruelty I find that scarier you know, I guess in the end, the Parisian vampires does get a bit horrific yeah. um, because they are, you know, the them on the stage with the woman. It's very scary. It is. If you have any amount of empathy in your body, that scene yes. is horrific to you. Yeah. yeah. Santiago's a great, scary villain. Yeah. And the the final fight in the end is good. But I, it's pretty mild. I put it almost probably middle of the road, like a five or a six. 
That's pretty high. Yeah, this is this is, is why high? we shouldn't let yeah, guests that's... go first. Yeah, no, I, it's out of ten. We gotta be better about our scale. I, I do think that we're bad at the scary scale because we're always like, it's a one, it's not scary. But in a scale of one to ten, I stick at a five. five. I, st- I still think that it's got enough scary moments that it's not the most like milk toast thing ever. But anything above a five, I think, is where things start really getting like tense and and raising your heart rate yeah. and that kind of thing. Because this movie doesn't do it. No. Yeah. But I, I mean, I would give this when I first saw it probably a five or a six. Yeah, because I was uh, probably 15, 16 when I first saw it. And I, I, I am super scared of scary movies. This is probably would have been one of the scarier ones I saw before we started this podcast. But today it was a one because I've seen it like eight times, you know? Yeah. So once you've seen it, you can it's almost like comforting just to sit. No, no, and no. Watch no yeah. It. Yeah. It, once you've seen it, it's not scary at all. So right. if I'm going off of like I watched this week. Yeah, it's it's a one. Yeah. But I agree. The first time it is up there. Whereas uh, I can rewatch like I rewatched uh, Paranormal Activity <laughs> with. My girlfriend recently had never seen it, and I love that movie, and it still creeps me out. Yeah, it does it's still really good. scary. That, that's fuck. Yeah, those jumps, man. Yeah, so that's I, I get that. I understand it more now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's why we need we need to give the guests context for the scary scale before no. we. Love. No context. Yeah, yeah, I like this. I like this. <laughs> Paige, what do you think? Uh, it, it's a one for me, and to be honest, even the first time I saw it, it was a one for me because I think I was too digmatized by Brad Pitt. Okay, Todd. Uh, I'm gonna give it a one today. I already said mine. Do yours. I think I'm gonna do three. Okay. Love it. Interesting. I love it. Okay. All right. So I have a I have a question, Todd. Since you're sure. not the horror person, what's what's the scariest movie to you? That's Hereditary. Hereditary is definitely really? up there. But for me, like you were mentioning, um, the cruelty towards like the innocence in this movie was more horrific to you or scary to you than like the gore. Yeah. I'm sort of the same way. So like that stuff gets me more than gore. Sometimes gotcha. we just did Hellraiser too, which is a terrible, <laughs> terrible movie. But the gore in that is like really effective. So that sort of did get me too. So there is a threshold where gore does mess with me. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it's typically more like jump scares and then like innocence being harmed or injusticiness sort of stuff that happens a lot in horror movies, unfortunately. But yeah, yeah. it's that kind of stuff that really scares me. I, I'm just okay. like, like Paige and I uh, and Mikey, when we were at Panic Fest, saw... Evil, uh, the rise of Evil Dead or whatever. Yeah, evil Dead yeah, rise evil or whatever. Rise, yeah. And my, you know, your Apple Watch will like be like, "Hey, your heart's beating and you're sitting yeah. down. Like, what is happening? Are your heart's rapidly beating and you're sitting down? Yeah, your heart rate is and elevated. My heart rate monitor on my watch kept going off to the point Paige like commented on it in the movie. She was like, "Why does your watch <laughs> keep going off?" And I was like, "It's my heart." That's funny. Yeah. So like, people are like, "You've watched what episode are we on? Two hundred and fifty something horror movies." Yeah. Like why are you not used to them? And it's like, that's, I, my, I just cannot handle the anxiety that's of it. That's funny. I, I'll never enjoy it, really. Like, well, I enjoy these kind of movies that aren't super scary, but... Yeah. Uh, or the horror comedies we do, I enjoy. Yeah. It's the super scary ones. Fuck me up, man. I imagine Blade didn't get to you. No, I love Blade. No, Blade yeah, yeah. No. awesome. Blade but like, but if, if we're, and uh, what else did we see at Panic Fest that was great? The one about... Renfield. Yeah, Renfield was great. Because, oh, yeah, I have not seen that, but that's a comedy. Yeah, it's, it's so great. fun. Yeah. So anyway... That, that's the kind of stuff that I okay. I jive with. The, scary, the actual scary horror fucks me up. Yeah. Well, John, thank you so much for joining us here on our interview with the vampire episode. In fact, it's suggesting that we do this movie. I'm so glad you let me pick. And I'm yeah. so glad yeah. I got to. I, I'm so glad when I was looking through you guys' catalog, I was like, they haven't done an interview. This, may, I, I, this would be fun. Yeah. This would be yeah. a really fun one to do. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Is there anything that you would like to have our listeners check out of yours? Because I know you do. A, you create a lot of stuff, both for Rooster Teeth and various other entities. 
Sure, sure. I, uh, I, I would love for any of your your audience to, if they're interested in things like uh, comics and X Men, I do an X Men podcast called oh, Class wow. of X. Yeah, interesting. Um, it's basically the premise is that I've grown up as a comic book reader and never had a friend that was as avid of a comic book reader as me, and so now I force my friends who never read comics to read an X Men story with me, and then we talk about it, um, and we try to see if like they understand what the hell is going on. <laughs> in this story that's been happening for 70 years. For, yeah, I was going to say for so long. I, I love that context because they're only reading that one book, right? Yeah. So they have because no context. So, <laughs> I love that, John. A lot of people, because of the movies now, have context sure. of these characters to a certain extent. You know, like Storm and Cyclops and Wolverine are now part of your lives. Right. But when we get into the minutia of crazy stories like that from like, like 1980s. Jubilee? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, they, even, even the cartoons introduced that, but there's even more like obscure characters and stories that I love so yeah i've been doing with friends for a bit so um it's a a a great show i'd love to have any of you on if you have mikey mikey's been working his way through the cartoon cartoon fan i've been rewatching. i grew up on the on the cartoon as well yeah and then then i'll then i'll have to hit you 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 guys up and and have you on it because yeah uh, i'd love that it's it's fun is you just have to be willing to read some comics yeah i have a bunch of them right here (laughs) yeah yeah, yeah. not x-men but love it i love it then well john thank you so much we appreciate it this was a delight thank you so this week, John, you made us watch Interview with a Vampire. What are we watching next week? It's a listener request. Oh, yeah. So we uh, had the listeners decide on what movie they would like to have us do. And of course, the theme this month was sequel month. So the sequels that the listeners narrowed down to were Bride of Chucky, Scream 5, Evil Dead Rise and Final Destination 3. And even though Bride of Chucky took an early lead, it lost out to Evil Dead Rise. So your homework for next week is to go see Evil Dead Rise in theaters, which I think it still is, or stream it if it's streamable, and check back next week for that episode. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? Absolutely, I do, kind of. Well, whose review are you going to read this week, sort of? I'm going to read Not Sydney Voth. What does not Sydney Voth have to say? Title of review. Hey, Mikey Winky emoji. Someone's a fan. Uh, they say, I love this podcast. I've been watching horror movies for what seems like my whole life, and I always want to discuss them, but everyone just looks at me funny when I do. <laughs> this podcast makes it feel like I finally found my people. I love how Paige makes me think further into things than I would have while also providing my favorite part, the fun facts. Pages, fun facts. Mikey brings a great perspective when it comes to mental health while also being lighthearted. Oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. And Todd is amazing. Also, absolutely true. I mean, she used the least (laughs) amount of words to describe your part, and that's fine. I just want to point that out. Because brevity is the source of wit. Also, it's clear that... Oh, wait, that- she comes up. She keeps going. Hold on. I love the catchphrases he comes up with and listening to how scared uncomfortable he was while watching something I watch as a comfort show, such as Evil Dead 2013. <laughs> 20 out of 10 would recommend to anyone and everyone. Perfect trio, five stars. Well, thank you, not Sydney Voth, for that awesome five-star review. And if you want to have Mikey read your five-star review, leave us a five-star review. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. 
out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at MRandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to Patreon.com slash Horror Virgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the regular mm-hmm. feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If if you want to financially support me but not Todd, just look me up on Venmo. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable. That's fine. But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash virgin. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. Literally, we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, guys. Check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And if you haven't noticed, since October 1st, we have been running the new Horror Virgin blog. And when I say we, I really mean Katie from the Facebook group. She's been running everything. She's like the managing editor of the Horror Virgin blog. So if you haven't been to our Horror Virgin blog, go check it out. It's at horrorvirgin.com slash blog. You'll see it. It's awesome. There's a lot of great articles. I mean, at the end of October, we have 31 awesome articles up, but check out our awesome Horror Virgin blog up now. This episode was brought to you by Tia, and Tia's teenager's been like driving her crazy this week. So how has Tia's teenager been driving her crazy? She killed a lady and then hit her in a pile of dolls. <laughs> Jesus. That escalated quickly. And what have we told you, Tia's teenager? No Not eating in the house. In the house. So this episode also brought to you by Jonathan and Jonathan wants to make us watch some videos. So I'm going to make you guys watch a video right now. Oh, this one's called Bruce Campbell Chainsaw. Groovy Bruce. Oh, wait, is this Bruce Campbell singing? (gasps) Oh, no, not singing. Oh, I love this, though. (laughs) Selling a chainsaw. I love how he's just like at a bar and he's got his chainsaw still (laughs) on his hand. Like the realities of having a saw for a hand are very funny to me when they're just played out in this type of like low stakes scenario. (laughs) God, Bruce Campbell is amazing. Yes. (laughs) He handed the money over on the chainsaw. I uh, have always and will always love Bruce Campbell. Yes. Dude's amazing. Bruce forever. Uh, Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for that awesome video and the support. We now return you to another episode of uh, The The Patreonicals. Okay, open up the Patreonicals. This week's episode is uh, Vance, who's H.H. Holmes, sneaks into the the new fish tank part of Allie's fish tank and tries to murder her with two knives. Oh, no. She splashes and yells, and Kate comes in and psychically stops him and pulls him out and was like and captain bruder's like we have to have a vote on what we're gonna do and dreskel everybody gathers up and dreskel's like okay 
we need to kick him out of our group because he's really <laughs> the only villain left in this little group. And then Isaac's like, I don't eat people anymore. I'd also like to not be kicked out. And they're like, this isn't about you. We already <laughs> dealt with that a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Karun and Natasha, our blue alien couple, now they say, yes, he is bad. We've already seen enough death. Get him out of here. Bo Easy is like, yes, he is an actual murderer. And as a Florida man, we believe in the death penalty, but <laughs> okay. Jeremy with laser eyes says, I see with my laser eyes that he is evil and he needs to go. I've got laser eyes. I feel the madness between you and I. Lauren, the cape person, bangs club twice on the floor, which means, yes, they vote to kick them out. Gotcha. Mr. Rage Bomb was like, I just vote yes. I can't talk about it because I don't want to blow up. Here's a firework. And he shoots a firework. Garotica, the heavy metal bitch, is like, yeah, of course, he should go. And um, Sanzi, the AI robot, was like, I have created a escape pod thing. We can just maroon him into space so nice. we don't actually kill him. They're going to drop him off on a space island. Yeah, Andrew, the last Russian option, was like, da, he needs to leave. They used my little Russian capsule to make the escape pod. I'm all for it. And Jennifer with a PH is like, good, happy to be here. I vote with the, I'm not going to like vote against the group. So yes, I vote that they also go. She doesn't want to rock the proverbial space boat. Uh, yeah. space so they boat. lock him into a escape capsule and lock him out. <laughs> and then like um, two weeks go by. Oh, wow. And the death month finds the escape pod, brings it in. And uh, Alex, the magician holds up a curtain and then drops it. And then there stands vance and they're like vance which is actually hh holmes if i remember correctly uh and so he stands there and they're like uh west the handsome dude is like you gotta run vance and uh aaron the moon general was like our queen has something to tell you and um libby the new moon moon queen is like look we're gonna kill all those motherfuckers all right we're chasing them down we're conquering the galaxy you're a stone cold killer Come on in on, the, on our team. And he's like, deal, let's go. And that's the end of the Patreonicles of this episode. Oh, man, I love where this is going. But I guess we'll have to wait to find out what happens next on another episode of uh, the, the Patreonicles. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror virgin, Todd. Keep it oopy spooky. Have an amazing week. Bye. One time a girl told me I reminded her of Lestat nerds. Oh, that's no, not a good you, thing. You remind that's us not, of Pee Wee Herman and Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> We've already been over this so many times. I wish the side-by-side -side photo of both of us at the time <laughs> wasn't so accurate. <laughs> it's my favorite. <laughs> All right, let's it's go. It's my top three jokes I've ever made on the podcast. <laughs>